Cradleine Network. Space Spitter 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for July and August 1992, progs 792 to 795. This mm-hmm. time, it's robots versus zombies in Judge Dredd. The finale of Cola Commandos, we'll hear some dragon tales, spring Bradley from Juvie, and go to the top of the pops with Zenith. Hey, it's our Z-Boy, our filthy, horrible Z-Boy. Yeah, or maybe from Borstal, I guess, because it's English. One of these things. <laughs> what? I don't know. What? That's, Borstal is, is British for, for juvie, buddy. It's a jail you put kids in. Kid jail. Sounds like a gross sausage. Eat your Borstal. I mean, you know, I, I imagine there's got to be at least one story where there's a borstal where they're turning kids into sausage. I know what what Brits are like, and they love sausages and cannibalism. It's something I've picked <laughs> up over the years. <laughs> Is that? I haven't I haven't witnessed that in my day to day, to be perfectly honest. But well, yeah, no, it's not your day to day. It's a special thing, you know, your sweetie Todds and whatnot. It's where you go to an island, and it's yes, it's all the bees. Wicker Man. That, 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 that's combining both Wicker Men. <laughs> one where there's bees. <laughs> one where they're English. I like it. One one where they one where there's a bunch of fornicating in the street, but it's like kind of stop motion, and then like they freeze, and then they just do a reverse of that same thing that's happening. I've seen the original. It's weird. How how did it get burned, Fox? And if you want to read along with us, find the comics we're covering today in <laughs> Judge Dread the Complete Case Files 18 and Zenith Phase 4. Ooh, suspicious lack of collected editions for what we're reading this week, Fox. Oh, man, that's so strange. <laughs> anyway, Ugh. let's get things started by by battening down the hatches and heading to the Judgment Zone with 301 Judge Dread. I love that place. 301 Judgment Day. Script robot Garth Ennis, art robot Peter Doherty, Chris Halls, Carlos Escara, and Dean Ormston. Letter robot Tom Frame. We're back in the judgment zone with Team Feck. Woo! <laughs> that, All right. That, that's going to stick, huh? <laughs> yeah, listen, are you kidding me? I, I tried the other ones, all right? There's like Team Sef. That's not as good. C-E-F. Um, E-F-C. I don't know. I, I don't even really, really know how to pronounce that. Efk? Something like that? Facts where it's at, buddy. <laughs> Before we get into this, I wanted to say so we're about to have um Johnny Alpha and Judge Dredd teaming up, or at least meeting each other, you know, whatever. So I wanted to ask you two what your favorite comic book team ups are, or just team ups in Ooh. general, I guess. Mm. Mm. Um uh mine would be a uh, Deku teaming up with Bakugo. Uh from My Hero Academia. Ooh. I'm going just straight anime with it. <laughs> That's fun. Because right. well, those guys are such enemies, so it's fun when they right. work together, certainly. I'm trying to think of something that... Because I, I, I immediately was going to say Freddy versus Jason, but they're not they're against each other in that. Right. It's, 
I think Freddy's like manipulating Jason. I think yeah. in, in, in the in the course of that, I guess. That's true. I mean, it's it's my favorite horror icons. Um, hmm. Oh, Please I know. Um, Scooby Doo and um, uh, the Harlem Globetrotters. Nice. <laughs> Listen, these are two great tastes that taste great together. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Solving these mysteries, well, revealing. And they, they had the superpowers too because it's from the cartoon. Oh, oh, super power. Oh, man. Super powered globetrotters. Always the key. That's a good that's a good group. Certainly. <laughs> I think for me, it's something it's something cl- like um, you're like Superman, Spider-Man kind of thing. I like when two iconic guys get together, you mm. know, especially when they have wildly different powers, because like in that one, they had to like power up Spider-Man so that he could hope to hang against Superman, you know, mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> otherwise it's just not going to be able to handle it you know or or just like you know honestly i like a big crossover i like when sort of you get like five or six comics all together and they're all do you know all these different people are doing stuff and it's real unwieldy like i think that's always really fun yeah. like um actually in the crossovers i mentioned going on in marvel this year in 92 like there's Rise of the Midnight Suns, which is like Ghost Rider and um, all these other and like Mo- Morbius, this vampire guy and all the other kind of spooky or sk- like like horror themed <laughs> Marvel heroes all getting together to go on a big uh, on a big adventure. I feel like you could throw in some Swamp Thing in there, although I don't think they're the same comic. Swamp, sw- yeah, Swamp Thing's DC, but it's very Damn. much a similar thing. Like DC has had, the, it's like they they call it like Justice League Dark or the Trenchcoat Brigade or something like that, which is where like Constantine and Phantom Stranger and all these other like uh, you know horror-y or ghost based um, heroes all get together and, and fight a bigger foe. Always fun. And speaking of spooky villains, oh. the zombie apocalypse <laughs> continues on the border wall of Mega City One. <laughs> Dreads had the wall rigged with fire weapons, and they're all set off. We get these massive explosions. Uh, art by Pierre Doherty here. It's big old bombs going off. There's enough munitions to keep the wall burning for 36 hours, and oh, after God. that, they're basically SOL. <laughs> Dreads got a pretty serious wound in his side. Everybody keeps mentioning it, but he ain't got time to bleed, uh, Predator style. Ooh, <laughs> that's another good crossover when Dread Ooh, fights yeah. Predator. Or so I've heard, at least. We'll see eventually. Um but suddenly a madman comes prophesying doom once more specifically doom at the hop shoppery a couple of floors down he calls dread chin face and then <laughs> jumps off the side of the wall into the flames and the undead because that's the kind of burn that you gotta get out of there as soon as possible before dread comes back at you <laughs> go to hell chin face i'm dead yeah, right. all right I like his I like his lines. Uh, our doom is nigh. Matter of fact, I quite fancy being the nighest. He was he was. <laughs> that's right. Having a good time, absolutely. Yeah, play him out, Johnny. <laughs> Definitely. So, Dread Hershey and Judge Spencer head down to investigate, and they find a bunch of zombies still active inside the walls of the city. They start fighting them, but there's just an assload of these guys apparently because they're <laughs> soon overwhelmed. Judge Spencer's grabbed and Dread Mercy kills him before he can be ripped apart. He and Hershey are down to their last clips, fighting back to back, when suddenly a voice rings out telling him to get down. It's Chief Magruder with a giant Gatling gun! Whoa! Man, it's where, awesome. Where are these? 
you know? Yeah, f- fair point. Is there only one? Is that like, is that that's Magruder's special drop so she, only she can carry it or something? But she wipes out these zombies and tells Dredd about the upcoming summit in Hondo City. She's heading there and he's coming with. And Hershey is going to be acting chief judge while they're gone. All right. Good replacement. Hershey in command. Definitely cool. On the Justice One to Hondo City, Dredd finally gets some medical attention. He had a punctured lung, we find, which is ridiculous. <laughs> He's one tough cookie. It's like, thought I was short of breath. Like, like buddy, like, you know. <laughs> got these one-liners ser- lined up. Right. That's a serious, like, thingamajig, right. you know? You can't. Your average dude is not just like walking around with a punctured <laughs> lug or whatever. Right. But I guess that I, I guess that's just Judge Dredd. Right. You know, he's good at this oh, stuff. Also, later I want to ask you guys what you feel the toughest cookie is. I've been saying that phrase, and then I started Ooh. thinking more about it. Um, my current go Ooh. is a uh, those uh, knockoff Oreos where you put them in milk and then they don't actually oh, yeah. get any softer. I feel like that might be oh, the yeah, toughest the, cookie. The Hydrox or whatever. <laughs> right, right. Definitely a very tough cookie, right. certainly. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. Feel, Maybe I that's feel like, red. yeah, you know, an overcooked oatmeal, you know, mm-hmm. but those can be get kind of soft. Right. I guess you got it. Yeah, it has to be overcooked because if they cook it just right, then it's soft and uh, melts yeah, in your mouth. Like, what, right, but. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But when you go overcooked cookie, all it is is just, you know, you bite. Na- it's like a, a, a nasty Chips Ahoy. Yeah, cement or something. Right. <laughs> I got to disagree because I think the toughest cookie, even though they're baked correctly, are the like uh, sugar or butter cookies that your grandma keeps in a metal <laughs> tin on top of the refrigerator. That's very stale cookies. That's like well, they let those sit I don't know several guys- years before they sell those. <laughs> Listen, yeah, well, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> they age them at the store, and then I think like a fine my wine. grandma had this, had the same one for my entire life, basically. <laughs> Store-aged ginger snaps. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying that there wasn't extra stuff in there. I'm just saying that 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 is the toughest. Okay. That's all. <laughs> they lasted that long, I guess. Yeah, yeah. They're taking you out. Um, <laughs> Okay, hold on. Oh, God. Where'd I go? Where have I at? Okay, punctured lung. There we go. Okay. All the judges, they, the, uh, the judges blast into Hondo where they have to like sort of fly till they're over the city and then like vertical takeoff down to it. Because I guess if you get far enough off Earth, planes work again, but you can't get too close otherwise. Okay. They're met by Sadu, and he introduces Johnny Alpha, and Dread, of course, opens um, um, opens relations by immediately cracking wise about, like, Wolf. Like, oh, where's the fat guy? <laughs> and uh, Johnny's not d- – doesn't want to hear that stuff. Nah, man. He just went on a rampage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. The story that was – it was called Rage. That's it, just – that's it. <laughs> it was crazy. Anyway, the two promise to have a rematch when it's convenient for the current situation. As soon as this apocalypse is over, you and me, right? <laughs> That's confidence. That's right. A lot of, a lot of fist, fist raisings here. Um, at the conference, it's revealed there's basically no way to stop Sabat unless they can find the power source of his abilities. Dredd brings up the blue light he saw, and Judge Hokkaido identifies it as Earth power. Oh, man. You know how I feel about this, Conrad? You know how I feel about this Earth power crap? Earth power, buddy. He's tapped into the dragon lines, feng shui, the song lines, the network of energy that runs under the Earth, etc. God. (laughs) So this is... That makes sense. I didn't realize it was so ongoing, but there's just different names for it. 
I guess so. Very fun. We've definitely seen we've seen song lines. Actually, I think we talked a little bit about song lines in Man. both the Chopper stories in the magazine mm-hmm. and in the Prog. And that's why Fox hates him so much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's this fucking Star Signals bullshit. Sorry. Yeah. And we also recently there was a lady that used feng shui abilities to beat up dread oh, yeah. um, early, earlier uh, this year. Her ability to place a chair in a certain corner of her room, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know <laughs> that there, there's different aspects of feng shui. I guess right. it's like it's like tai chi. It can be people in the park doing some stretches. Or it can be like flying through the air, balancing on swords and kicking people in the face, you know. So with Feng Shui. Yeah, come on. It's fun. I do think it's fun. (laughs) The uh, combination of uh, sci-fi with some spiritual elements, having like magic. Like I always find that really interesting. If you go too far one or the other, I start getting uninterested. But once they're just Mm. people in lab coats being like – Ley lines that you know produce energy <laughs> by magic. I'm like, all right, this is I mean, we, have, we are yeah, on to something. And previously, they are like, oh, we've checked. There's no psychic or magic things related to this. Right. Like, you guys, you're, you're doing magic here, right? <laughs> like, there's there's so much of that within the universe of dread that I love. They right. really just it, mm-hmm. it can be anything, inclusive of vampires, zombies, black <laughs> magic. God. Absolutely. Yeah, this idea that like <laughs> they come here and there's no moment where it's like magic, but that's impossible. Right. <laughs> just like, all right, like this is no, we've got magic a we haven't of seen before. We just gotta here. figure it out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Put the magic department on it and we'll <laughs> we'll solve it. Yeah, we got teams, whatever. <laughs> um but so it seems like if Sabat's using this, it could definitely be used to raise the dead and probably also be what's scrambling the aircraft and stuff. So, hey, good times. But I just... what's Sabat up to anyway? What's his, what's his end game? And Sabat will tell you because he just teleported into the meeting room. I'm right over here. I've been behind you the whole time. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> He's a bad guy. He's got the Dave Gribble. Oh, my God. Yes, the Necromagus appears in the meeting hall. Everybody pulls guns, and he's like, whoa, whoa, everybody's real jumpy. Um, He basically is just here to offer them a quick death. Like, I'm going to win. Oh, sorry. He offers them a quick death, and then Dredd shoots him in the forehead with no effect. And he does the grossest thing, which is dig around for the bullet with his finger in the wound. Like, ah. Just pulls it out of his head. Yeah. Right. He announces that Mega City 2, Sinosit, Jakarta, Southam City, and Brasilia have all been completely destroyed by his hordes of undead. So are you, you going to say something, Eli? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Just gross. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he says they've all been destroyed. His undead army now numbers in the billions. Your only choice is how fast you'll die and then join my undead armies, basically. He suggests everybody just nerve gassing their cities and then killing themselves. <laughs> then teleports away. <laughs> A Hondo judge confirms that all of those cities have no no signs of life, and Dread has a, sim- a pretty simple plan. Nuke them. We n- nuke those cities to destroy the vast amounts of undead troops. Even if there are human survivors, you know, they're at a point where they're living. We envy the dead at this point. Um, then we trace the source of Sabat's power, find him, and then nail his ass to the wall. 
It's a hard choice, but hey, this is Judgment Day. Oh man, I've been waiting for that close-up pan. <laughs> right. <laughs> gotta gotta do it. I do you know. I do feel like uh I wonder if they ever go into uh and I, I learned more about Judge Death, but I was saying he must be proud of like what's going on here. This seems like Judge Death's jam. Uh, he can't be against it, certainly. I mean, he wants everybody to die, right. you know. Maybe he I, did. Maybe he's not I a fan mean, of zombies. Maybe he'd be upset yeah. by that. Mm. Ooh, yeah. All these half-dead. <laughs> yeah. Weak sauce. Undeath for me, but not for thee kind of guys. Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> I, I will say he's given Judge Death the freaking run for his money. Right. By a yeah, lot. Not, certainly, certainly not the first time Dredd has ordered the uh, the nuclear annihilation of a quite a number of people. <laughs> but now he's upgrading from millions <laughs> to billions, you know, increasing that um that 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 uh decimal he's, point he's, there. He's no really has. Yeah, no, I was yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, listen, I've already hit the high score once and I've got to make make sure I right. remain the incumbent. Right. <laughs> when I was when I was going over the um, the Judge Red case files for that for that recent series of collections we did, I, I I remembered in the early days of the podcast I had a kill count for Judge Dredd, just how many people he oh, killed God, in the course yeah. of his adventures. The problem is that after uh, after Apocalypse War and now after this, any additional ones are just sort of rounding area errors, basically. <laughs> right. Like, huh? No one even cares. You that, know, that's actually interesting. I hadn't thought of that. I'm working on an art piece where it's going to be a people that have killed a lot. So it has like Thanos Ooh. from Avengers and like all the, you know, just everyone yeah. I can think of. I just recently remembered, I got to add Rick from Rick and Morty. He's killed yep. like things, but now I'm like, Oh yeah. Dread. Obviously. I yeah. mean, <laughs> he, yeah, don't, don't count Dread out. Right. He's, he's in the running right. for, for, the, for most kills, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a little indirect by pressing the button of a nuke, but it's still, it's still right. pretty direct. I, you know? I do wonder if I'd rather put judge death, on there just as a because they all seem to be villains so i'm wondering like mm. judge death technically killed a dimension of earth just so no, I, that's eh, that's actually yeah. that's really accurate he made an entire tomb world right yeah and he was probably more personal about it as well right. you know right let's get up, up get intimate with it Not, yeah, i get it because there, there's that there there is that statue of him killing the last human <laughs> <laughs> Which you gotta imagine they had to make that. Like that's arts and crafts for them. Right. Maybe the last maybe the last human was a sculptor and they sort of <laughs> waited for him to finish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> then they killed him. It's like so Judge Death's like sort of getting the angle right so that it looks like the statue, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I, I, I hope we find out someday. <laughs> I, I don't know if we will, but that'll be funny. Um so we're back in the magazine. Chris Halls is on 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 art. He'll do a few magazine covers, but this is only his work inside the magazine or the prog. The sun rises on Mega City 2 and then rises again as it gets hit by a TAD, a total annihilation device shot by Mega City 1. What is it, like 100 nukes in one or something like that? Yeah, yeah, we saw these during the Apocalypse War, actually. Um, The... um, Mega City One used them to strike back against the uh, against Softset One, but then they used that shield that warped all the nukes to another dimension oh. where they blew up a completely innocent Earth. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was a glorious utopia where everyone was like hands in hands with the planet living. In- wow, that's right. Yeah, yeah. f that. <laughs> we don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't know where the nukes were going to go, but the Sovs were like, "Oh yeah, this seems like a good one to drop some spare bombs." Are oh jeez. Um, 
East Meg 2 nukes Jakarta, and there's just nukes flying all over the place. The judges look on as the people they're killing. Two billion people killed, either by nukes or zombies, but now it's time to save the living. Sabat looks on at the destruction. It's a bummer, but not unexpected. He also notices that the San Andreas Fault's finally gone. There goes the West Coast, I guess. God. Um, just just idly. Just a, a, a an aside there. <laughs> the techs are tracing the source of the Earth power, and Dredd decides to go back to Justice One to, like, take a nap or something. <laughs> but there's no rest for the wicked, I, I gotta say. Um... Because Sadu follows him, and it's rematch time. He says Dredd let him let him win the last time they fought, which was which I believe he did. It was part of an elaborate scheme to help hide this secret, this android secret agent Mega City One had embedded in Hondo. There were like listening devices involved, and who knows what else. Sadu says he wants to fight Dredd at his best, and despite having a punctured or a recently punctured lung, God. Dredd's happy to give his best. <laughs> he pulls out his day stick and just like two hits, like one day stick shot just completely destroys uh, Sadu's tendo stick, and another one just goes right across his face. And like, I feel like it just vaporizes his helmet, basically. Right, he was yeah. wearing one, and then he's spitting blood and not wearing <laughs> one, you know? <laughs> That new tech. <laughs> yeah. Um, he Dread yells at Sadu for picking a fight as the world is ending. What's wrong with you folks out here in the boondocks? When Johnny Alpha arrives and tells him to pick on someone his own size. Oh, man. The two men stare down. They're both the best, as, the, the best at what they do. And then they wordlessly go to fight. And it's uh, not even that close. No. <laughs> Dread kicks the crap out of Johnny. He's like grinding his face against the wall and stuff uh. like that. Johnny gets a cheap shot, then goes back to choke Dread. And things are getting desperate in this fight when the call comes in from Chief Magruder. They found Sabat. It's time for payback. Back in the progs with Carlos Escara as the judges, including a slightly battered Sadu and Johnny Alpha, are briefed on the... I'm calling it ley line stuff. That's what I always called it as. But whatever. Yeah. Earth... Earth magic thingamajigs. Um, in the in the map they show, they're strangely similar to the latitude and longitude lines you see it on a globe. Don't worry about it too much. Um, <laughs> there's mention also of that Shojan, the warlord guy, using ley lines in the uh, in like this story where he where he came to Mega City One, which had become the focus of the ley lines, and then summoned a bunch of giant, giant ghost samurais yeah. to destroy the city. And it's kind of funny because, like, Magruder's chuckling over the fact that Dredd's beaten up Sadu and Alpha and seemingly not not remembering that that's the situation that actually led to her resigning as uh, Chief Justice originally. Or as Chief Judge, whatever. Um, anyway, now the ley lines have moved their focus to the middle of the rad lands of G, which seem to be sort of in, in China, a little bit north of Korea, um, off the coast of uh, Hondo. Magruder says they have to head in and stop Sabat, but apparently the Radlands are full of chaotic magic. It's hell on Earth there. But listen, like, Earth's full of zombies. It's hell on Earth everywhere. We got to do this thing, you know? <laughs> the Hondo judges says it might be possible with their new battle suits. And if you're like me, when they talk about battle suits in a Japanese setting, you perk up immensely. I was right, like, yeah, I let's see these suits. <laughs> Gundams, Gundams, Gundams. Come on. Right. <laughs> 
The plan is to send in one judge from each city and then a bunch of Hondo dudes for numbers. Dredd will be in command over the objections of a judge from uh, Ciudad Barranquilla. The roster is going to be Dredd, Armor from Britsit, Bruce from Oz, Joyce from Murphyville, Sadu from Hondo, Corzo from uh, Banana City, Ciudad Barranquilla, and Judge Brill Cream from East Meg 2, as well as, you know, a bunch of red shirts. It's fine. Right. Uh, Actually, I thought it was really fun. It was really nice seeing all the different judges from the different places. Like that was always something that really interested me. Absolutely. And I also really like that um, these are all – I think Corzo showed up a little bit. But mostly these are all judges from um, previous Judge Dread Adventures Mm -hmm. basically. It's sort of all of these different characters who we've met before in different situations all coming together for this one big final fight. Love these different helmet styles, man. Different helmets, different outfits. It's excellent. But so we're bringing in all these people for this final assault, but Alpha's out. He's just a bounty hunter, man. You can't trust these guys. Uh, Sadu apologizes and Dredd seems resigned to uh, Dredd's decision. Like hell. (laughs) We see the uh, K2000 Samurai Ground attack suit. It's... Pretty awesome, big silver battle suit with some Japanese styling, like it's got that kind of samurai helmet and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. And they've got 20 of them. Good oh, times. And it's got a gauntlet, which is a gun gauntlet. Awesome. Def- it's, got, it's got two. Yeah, you got these wrist guns. <laughs> Bruce and Joyce josh around a bit before they sort of get deployed. Uh, jo- Joyce goes to, go, go, goes to the Jacks, which I believe is Irish for bathroom. Um, but as he goes, Johnny Alpha ambushes him. And I appreciate that this isn't just sort of a one-punch knockout. Like, they actually go back and forth quite a bit here in this fighting. And he's but still eventually, Joyce, yeah, he's, yeah, Yeah, exactly. He's still got, even though, I guess, like, Murphyville or Emerald Isle, they're sort of like the least threatening of the judges. He still holds his own against Johnny Alpha, at least for a little bit. Um, but in the end, he, he gets knocked out and Johnny takes his place in the battle suits. The judges are flying out. The, the plan is to land in the Radlands and fight their way to Sabat. Anything could happen and Sabat will know they're coming. So their chances are nearly zero. But listen, that's better than, I guess, just plain zero. <laughs> so, so and I love that everybody's wet. Definitely. And I love that everybody's wearing their helmets under their, uh, inside the suits. <laughs> it's, right. it's cr- it's quite literally because we've seen spacesuits with the same thing. They build everything to go around the helmet. Yeah. I'm not taking my helmet off, all right? right. Screw that. <laughs> I also feel like there is a reference to Gundams with the little um, V thing on their head. That reminds me of like yeah. mm-hmm. Gundam Wing. I don't see – I mean, maybe it's going to come into play, but seeing it, that was my, re- either- my immediate thought. Definitely. Well, I think it's either Gundam or like they're both inspired by like traditional samurai helmets, I guess. Uh, I can see that. I can see that too. Yeah. But I mean, that sort of definitely is a style I feel like of like, you know, a a samurai helmet to have that like, yeah, that like V-shaped arc thing in the front of them. I know. If if someone someone killed somebody with that arc thing, that would be the coolest. I'm just saying. Just waiting to see Judge Dredd. Just look at, look at, uh a pacifist young girl and say, I will kill you. 
It's hard out there in these Gundam streets, you know. If they're really Gundam inspired, everybody would have a suit that sort of has their own inspirations from their towns and stuff like that. Right, you know, right. Like Judge Bruce's would be shaped like a kangaroo or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just really good at kicks. Right. Yeah. Come on. I remember that Gundam that, that that one season at Gundam where everybody had their own country themed robots, and there was that one from Holland that had a big windmill in it. Like, oh, you know, I, 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 I remember. It's good times. G Gundam or whatever. It's a big windmill. <laughs> um. So yeah, Johnny hopes as they fly out that this ten million is worth it for all the trouble he's going to. It takes about out, you know. <laughs> The judges make their jump. They deploy parachutes to avoid getting messed up by all that earth energy. Uh. As they approach the ground, they see it's just a massive seething carpet of zombies. So they cut their shoots. Dread lands hard and sets his suit to total offense mode. He's got <laughs> wrist guns. He's shooting shoulder rockets. He's just blasting everything that moves. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> The last judge to drop is Corzo from Ciudad Barranquilla. And when he does his suit, uh, he lands on a hillside and his suit actually crashes through the earth and into some sort of tunnel system, which he just starts rolling through. He kind of Raiders of the Lost Arks his way through the tunnel systems Oof. here. Dread orders the judges to follow Corzo. And we learn they've already lost two of the uh, Hondo red shirts. Sadu tosses a bomb to clear a path. And it looks like Judge Bruce, Bruce is in trouble. His helmet's been ripped off and the zombies are coming after him. Johnny Alpha goes to save him and gets exposed. And he's just like, ah, you have to shoot me later, Dredd. I'm busy now. As he, Bruce, and Dredd all stand back to back and shoot at the zombie horde. It's awesome. Uh, so Bat's getting a little nervous because Hondo and Mega City One are holding against his attacks. When suddenly Corzo comes crashing through the roof. God. Lying at Sabat's feet, he begs to surrender, and naturally Sabat strips him of his armor and tosses him into an Iron Maiden that appears from someplace. Right. He just keeps those around. You never know when you Definitely, might. yeah. When you're evil enough, it never hurts to have an Iron Maiden just in case. It really you know. ties the room together. Right. How are they? Yeah, come on. How are they going to know you're evil? You get, like, ridiculed by the other villains if you don't freaking have one. Yeah, where's your accoutrement, buddy? Come on. <laughs> get it together. <laughs> so we're back in the magazine with Dean Orm... Um, Ormston, he's drawn these bat. It's interesting to see sort of he's drawn these battle suits a little bit less fancy than Ascara did, just for the record. Um, <laughs> the judges are in the tunnels fighting their way through, but it's going tough. Sabat questions uh, Corzo, who just immediately gives up the goods about the judges coming in and stuff like that. And Sabat's wow. like, a bunch of judges. That's that's ridiculous. They'll just get eaten alive. And then he prepares to use some sort of magic chainsaw to cut open Corzo's magic face. chainsaw. Where did he get that? But <laughs> Corzo then just like in one big long word, in a, in, a, in a sentence long word, explains that they're coming in cool battle suits, so they might have more of a chance than you might think. <laughs> um, and so uh, uh, Sabat confirms this with his magic view screens and decides to make a deal with Corzo after all. Back in Hondo, Judge Joyce reports that um, Johnny Alpha took his place. And then we get uh, messages coming in from all the remaining mega cities. They're all being overrun by the undead. 
We cut to uh, Mega City 1. The zombies have pushed through the fire, but Hershey refuses to give up. She tells Judge Gaylord to stop whining and start shooting. Just cheap shot. In the tunnels, the suits are running out of ammo. Um, they're just sort of using the big swords that come out of them to take these zombies out, which is also awesome. Um <laughs> And Dredd says that they'll have to seal the outside tunnels so that more zombies can't keep pouring in to kill them. That means they won't be able to get out. But listen, that's why they call it a suicide mission. You know, like, <laughs> you can't worry about getting out. Right. <laughs> so Judge Brill Cream agrees to do it. He just gets an armload of explosives and runs to the uh, to the entryway. Blows up. His final words are another pickup line to Hershey. Oh, it's like, God. we could have made the earth move together. And then blows up, mo- moving the earth in his own way. Um, the judges prepare to head out, at, or they all prepare to head out as Judge Bruce dies in Johnny's arm. He says Alpha's not a bad bloke for a palm, which is a com- which is Commonwealth slang for an Englishman, basically. Like, never forget that uh, Johnny Alpha is a Brit. He's got an English accent and stuff when he's doing all this stuff. Strange thing for me to think about. It's I really think of him as as American. It's hard for me not to. Um, there's only six judges left when suddenly Judge Corzo comes stumbling out of the tunnels. He's found some. I found Sabat. Come with me through this fissure where it's too where it's so tight. You got to take your battle suits off. All right. Oh, it's real dark in here. Don't worry about it. Oh my god. Maybe you guys should just like put your put the barrels of your guns against your heads, you know, while I'm doing this. It could be for good right. luck. <laughs> <laughs> it's dark in the cabins they're on for, but not for long, as Corzo reveals that they're surrounded by a bunch of those giant undead monsters Sabat was building his Charnax. Corzo explains he's made a, a deal with Sabat, but before he can get too far into it, Dread shoots him in the face. Uh-huh. You know, some deal that was <laughs> right. Deal that. <laughs> But now six regular judges have to take on these giant undead monsters, which doesn't look good. Next time, in the conclusion of Judgment Day, Hayek's overdoses and getting to grips with Sabat. Ooh, it's exciting. Things are about to get weird. Thrill to Cola Commandos. Man was riding high. And now, man, they had mech suits in dread this mo- this episode, Fox. So now we I, got this. I know. I spied it. I spied into the past, future, the now. They had, oh they my had god! Sa- it's all wait. It's samurai the future, themed the mech suits. I know it. Uh, <laughs> why is it have cola commando? Because we gotta pay. We gotta pay for our pleasures, Fox. That's why. God, that, I mean, that's just the fucking name of this episode. Mm, script robot Simon Parkhouse, art robot Anthony Williams, letting robot Annie Parkhouse. At at a festival garden party in front of OK Cola HQ, complete with a Captain Cholesterol-like blimp and some sweet buffet uh. tables. That's what I like. Fireworks go off as rich guys talk about investments, and the chairman of OK Cola gets up to say a few words as astronaut-turned-android-made-of-moon-metal C.T. Uh. Hall arrives at the entrance to the party and just starts blowing things up and gunning nah, man, people he has down, a- including the He chairman. has a ball, and he gives it to another guy. <laughs> it seems like he can create 
energy balls that explode? I mean, he's he's basically just like Goku in that way. Yeah, he's kind of a Goku or 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 a Gambit because he's also got a cool coat, you know? Oh uh, yeah, that's true. Or maybe a Jubilee because he makes explosives of- and has a cool coat, and I don't like him that much. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say all the people we're mentioning are, are things that. I would like to read more than uh, Cola Commando. Mm-hmm. Listen, someday we get finish up 2000 AD, then it's just like, back into like it action. Can't, it can't even make me excited about killing uh, super wealthy business people. That's that's a, that's <laughs> the that's the worst crime, honestly. I, yeah. Anyway, Hall takes a woof to the face as the Cola Commandos go crashing into the OK Cola building. Inside, we see four more copies of the Chairman in various outfits going to hide. The commandos and an injured hall get aboard that magic elevator from the start of the comic. Hector Doldrum has some of the commandos watch other floors of the building as he and Hall head to the mysterious eight floors. And Hector's, you know, he's just being super tough now because he's finally got got some pants and a gun. Yeah, I mean, he's got like half an Uzi. It's like a pistol that is an Uzi. It's a really yeah, yeah. weird deal. You know, that's how you know he's an American because he's got pants and a gun and that's all he needs. Well, and a, and a bandana. Oh, that's true. Well, you know. Keep the sweat things. out of your eyes, you know. Absolutely, yeah. Hector and Hall arrive on the eighth floor where Hall thro- st- again starts throwing these exploding energy balls, kills a version of the chairman wearing a green suit with red circles on it. They're cloning. Yeah, I guess, I guess they've got clones. It, this doesn't matter. It doesn't come back up. on, or I mean, it kind of does a little bit, but doesn't factor into uh, the end of the story. On the second floor, a hippie version of the chairman kills a few Cola Commandos and escapes, seemingly as Hector right. runs through the labs, but finds all the cages empty, except for that one baby chimp from the start of the story. Yeah, it's still got the diaper on. Yeah. They escape as Hall once more creates energy bombs. And again, they did not establish that he had these or any of or his backstory at all. Basically, very mysterious. All we know is that he's moon metal and he likes to swim with whales and stuff. He's and I guess whatever. (laughs) This is too many words for this. I got a lot to say, but I want to wait to finish up the story here. They run back to the commando cruiser and Hector gets dropped. Uh, oh, sorry. They, they blow the whole uh, headquarters up and I guess that's it. Um, Whoops. They get back to the vehicle and Hector dro- is dropped off at home with a monkey in tow and kills t- Kid Karma to say goodbye to Zephyr for him as the commandos roll off. That's that robot commercial lady that seemed to love him for some reason. <laughs> Anyway, okay, Cole is no more, I guess. Uh, um, And now Hector's coming home with his new chimp friend, Bobo. He rings the doorbell and his wife answers and Bobo leaps into his arms. But then a man comes out of their bedroom. It's that yuppie jerk Gordon from the start of the story. So like I for like in my head, because none of these characters remember my in my brain get room. I thought that was like his son who grew up really fast. No, but then it was it. And then and well, it was then when it was just like he was like, my wife left me. I'm like, oh, right. There was that guy. He gave him a book. Yeah, yeah, this guy he was carpooling with at the start, I I just, like, I don't see the reason, but that's fine. Yeah, well, it's mostly to open Hector up for this next part. Okay, sorry, I know know the reason that they want to end this out with, the horrible reason. Uh, It's just, like... (laughs) 
Anyway, yeah, no, we learned that I guess Hector has been gone for months. It really seems like, from what a I can tell, half, yeah, days. maybe a day or two at yeah. most. That means he must have been pantsless for several weeks. I don't know. They, I don't. I, 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 I don't remember a narration box implying a passage of time, basically. But I yeah. guess there has been. What did they even um, do during? That's like so much time. Yeah. No. There's definitely. Yeah, it seems like nonstop. He, whatever. Fuck. I'm talking too much about Cola Command. <laughs> definitely. Um, Hector walks back out onto the street when that blonde lady, robot lady, possibly Zephyr appears. They embrace. Uh, there's something she hasn't told Hector. But anyway, at a convenience store, we see Captain Cholesterol and the low fat kid staking the place out. To f- get the market marauder, a seven-year-old shoplifter, the thief appears but zips past the heroes on roller skates. Anyway, did, did we need an, uh, any update on them at all? I mean, apparently they're the breakout stars of this story, Fox. Oh, God. Um. Anyway, uh, it appears that um, as Zephyr and Hector are, work- are walking off into the sunset, and she says she's got no reproductive equipment, and Hector says, we'll work something out. Believe me, we'll work something out, which to me means either oral sex or something far weirder involving her robot body. You know, <laughs> uh, at SPHs, Fox, strategically uh, placed holes, as they say, in the stuffy oh, fucking God. community. Uh, anyway, uh, the end of Cola Commandos. That's the end. That's it for Cola Commandos. Rot in hell. Yeah, I. so, like, it just ends on, like, we're gonna fuck note, which, I, like, I, you know, I don't personally have a problem with, although, like, very clearly this dude's just, yeah, I mean, I, I hate this. <laughs> Every part say. of it didn't, didn't care about all of it. And then they tried to make it like, hey, we're going to do this. Th-. It, all of it was rushed. Definitely didn't take three to six months or however much he said. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like nothing. I, You know, normally it's like if something's fun, nothing mattering is great. Let me this say stupid. And this is what this is why Cold Commando. Like, this is why I've got a special like place in my hate heart for Hola, for Cola Commandos, Fox. And this is this is me talking. It's Conrad who likes everything and people like, oh, yeah. you know, that's you're they're they're call you know, whatever. The internet's full of people calling me a shill or whatever. But anyway, I don't get paid nothing. No, I get paid by our Patreons and I'm very grateful. But not you know, no 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 corporate interest. Anyway, anyway. Exactly. What is galling to me about Cola Commandos is that they clearly think they have a hit on their hands as they're working on this. There's all these dangling plot lines that could be resolved that we get. There's so many covers for this for Cola Commandos. Yeah. There's like, there's 13 and there's like a cover every third issue for Cola Commandos, even as we've got a Dread Mega Epic going on and other things like that. Like the gall, quite frankly. Plus multiple pinups, multiple pinups, like, you know, of Captain Cholesterol, of C.T. Hall. We'll get one this, you know, we got one last time and next time. And like in about a, in maybe a 200 or so progs, there'll be like a retrospective <laughs> thing with an image of Captain Cholesterol and, and you know, the Cola Kid or whatever, who were barely in this thing. It sort of stopped factoring halfway through. They think... 
C.T. Hall is so cool, and we're going to want to know his backstory. They know that, you know, these the surviving chairmen are going to be back to threaten more soda shenanigans. There's all there's this world that they've set up with these incarnated commercial mascots that they can do more jokes about consumerism uh, with. Okay. All this stuff is set up and it fe- and even though this comic was on the back was sort of in the wings for 2 years, it's now burst out and it feels like, you know, the the the, the time is right for this, they're going to get it out here and it's going to do big numbers and instead it just feels like the wettest of farts, basically. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> Conrad, there's, I, like, there's, there's so much beautiful. hubris in, in this, in this, um, in this thrill, you know, in this story. No, and that, like, I, like, I agree because it's so much more than, you know, uh, uh, what was that st- stupid? See, I've already forgotten. Uh, like, I'm green man cop and I'm gonna punch. Trash. Yeah, trash. Like, like trash was pretty much a straight shot story for the most part. Not very good, but you're right. Like this mm-hmm. is just like open open plot lines. The the comic, yeah. Whereas I mean, like so many other things, like don't don't go in like thinking like you've got to like just make it good first, and then people will clamor for more. Like right? if you're a if you're a madman, I could I can literally think of three like there's three separate. Like, like, uh, piles of cash on the, on the table in terms of money on the table for future Cola Commando stories, right? You could do CT Hall's backstory. Sure. You, again, return to the chairman, like I said, or just like, you know, a, a, a thing of Hector living amongst the commercial mascots, right? Well, I think like, like yeah. And, oh, a, yeah. and a bunch of other stuff, you know? And, it's all there and they were clearly setting themselves up for it, but now, but nobody wants to see it because this was just not, it didn't stick the, like, it's got a lot of, it's got a lot of ambition, but didn't stick the landing in any way with the fundamentals, you know? I, I feel like your everyman is one of the core problems here. Like your, your, what is his name again? Wet Hector. Fart. I mean, Hector. he's literally, he's literally named Doldrum, right? Which, well, and uh, yeah, as we, as I we make off- him the joke. Yeah, no, as, as we've often said, um, one of the big challenges with comedy, and I feel like actually this is a big challenge with British comedy, actually, which is often so dry and self-aware of things, is that you can outsmart yourself by, um, by lampshading, thi- by you're trying to humorously lampshade a flaw in your comic, but you're actually just kind of pointing out a flaw in your comic, basically, because yeah, it's not, it's I mean, not funny enough. He, like, he was the central thing I didn't like. But then, like, everything around him constantly happening at like a fever dreams pace. Cause the joke is clearly that this char- that the main character is kind of bland and nerdy and that there's all these ex- this exciting things and cool and funny characters happening around him so you know a joke name might be doldrum but by literally calling him that you're saying oh yeah this guy this is kind of a boring protagonist in comparison to these well, other and, things you well, know and his arc his arc happened immediately he was running mm-hmm. from everything like a a scared person and then suddenly in the next issue, it's like, but now I've got a bandana and a gun and I'm all hor- like nothing, yeah. 
Nothing happened to change him that way. It was just that the dude who was going to kill him said, I'm not going to kill you anymore. Like that yeah, would have been perfect for like a montage where he's like, you need to stop being a, a weirdo. And I'm going to make and, you and, awesome. Or so, I don't and, that, yeah. I don't know even know if that would have fixed it. And as always, discussing agency in these 2000 AD stories, the reason why CT like they only won because CT Hall changed sides and he only changed sides because OK Cola advertised on the moon. Like, Which I feel like they would know from working with him before. This is a moon man. Don't fuck with the moon. You know, but like I'm just saying that he could have killed Hector. <laughs> Oh yeah, at any point, and then the thing would be over. And, Hector well, the would story, be dead, and the, then then CT Hall the is just the main. The story would have continued with oh probably CT Hall oh destroying God, the right. Coca Cola building. Actually, quite frankly, you didn't even need the Cola Commandos. All of this was preordained to happen. Mm-hmm. In fact, it may it may have been a more shocking and better turn to have him murder all those people. And then be like, oh, well, they fucked up the moon. I'm going to murder everybody yeah. else. Listen. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's absolutely. all just an origin story for C.T. Yeah. No, it's well, they clearly think C.T. Hall is ultra cool. Right. He's got well, all these nine. He's got all these coolness signifiers with his fingerless gloves and his short jacket and so and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, uh, but it just, it, it you know, <sighs> again. It, trying to be cool, you know that—that's the challenge. Uh, I mean, anyway, that's, that's the early '90s, baby. But let's yeah, let's leave this. Hundred percent. We've we, we've talked about this far too much. Uh, it's it's <laughs> the hate, but now the hate's gone. So let's talk about something I don't hate. That's right. Yeah. Speaking of uh, terrifying monsters from beyond the stars, Fox. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Thrill three zenith. Script about Grant Morrison, art robot Steve Yole, and Gina Hart letting robot Annie Parkhouse. Okay, here we go. Phase four of Zedith. Last time we had the prologue, now we're doing the actual log. Um, it's July 4th, <laughs> 1992, and BBC One is running a profile on Zenith where he talks about getting off that pop merry-go-round and working on a project that means something to him, which seems to involve like this branded Zenith Letterman jacket and a bowl haircut. I guess. Yeah, so can you maybe I kind of missed this. Mm-hmm. Are you able to explain to me what's going on because those two people shot to shot look very different. I think he's just got a different like maybe they filmed this a month or two ago or something like that. No, his hair filled out. His haircut changes changes pretty often because he he's a I mean, pop star. Yeah, he definitely looked a little younger in the video that they were showing than when we actually mm. see him. I do like that age difference, by the way, 20 years or whatever. <laughs> well, I think some of that is just like makeup and other things. I don't know. I don't know if that's a full thing, but we are make, definitely making jokes or about no, 30 um, years? age. What are you talking about for 30? What, what do you mean by that? Wait, wasn't it wasn't the last bit that happened? That was in the 60s, 70s, right? No, no. Oh, it's, that was the 80s. All this, my bad. All this stuff is the eight is the late 80s, early 90s. But they're talking Got about it. him doing a six like his music has a 60s revival right, right, theme. Right. OK, now I'm aligned. Yeah, he's like 10 years older. No, or he, so. no, again, no, I think no. the, the interview we're seeing is like early. Is, he's talking about the album, a song of which he's about to perform at Top Got of the Pops. It. So it's Got a couple it. months earlier. Okay. Because the profile is like him talking about an, the album that's going to be released. And now that album is just out and is number one, I guess. Okay. Now I feel less dumb. You know, he's just got a weird haircut. I think that's basically it. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but yeah, um, I, I got to say, I was hoping for full grunge zenith, but I don't think grunge had really made it had, had quite made it over to England in 1992, so, or by this time in 1992 or 91. Nah, man, it's raves, mm-hmm. baby. Yeah. In his flat, Zenith watches the interview with his agent, Eddie, and says that everything he's saying there is a lie to sell re- – or Eddie says everything Zenith is saying is a lie to sell record, and Zenith agrees. He's been at number one <laughs> on the singles chart for three weeks, so it's working. God, he's still a dick. I love it. Absolutely. It seems all this is, yeah, he's getting into kind of a, a 60s revival with like a mix of uh, of electro pop or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, um, it seems the thing everybody's going back to the 60s, which is, I feel like definitely not the music that was being played at the time. But you know. I don't know. I remember a certain period of, of, of 60s throwback things in the early 90s, I guess. Mm. I don't know. Like, I feel like it came back with like bell bottoms or other things, this sort of cyclical stuff. Um, I don't know. It's kind of mentioned in this, right? Like yeah, the cyclical. Yeah, don't nature of music don't get me to quote what's going on in england in 1992 i I got a vague (laughs) sense of what was going on in america you know and i didn't look it up too much um so the channel changes to a press conference where several of these superhumans that we saw come to live on zenith's earth after the effects of phase three during a press conference uh guys (laughs) like lux and spook they formed a group called horus and their um, symbol is an eye i feel like can you be more tacky, right? I feel, and I feel like they, you know, listen, they themselves, like everyone's saying, like, hey, isn't this a little like ominous? And they're like, nah, we're here to save the world. Isn't this a little bit fashy? And they're like, this is some old world bullshit or old. I said they, they had they had a particular thing that I love that they said. It's yeah, like yeah. Uh, that's that's no, la- past thinking or something. Yeah. Later they say they, they say fascist is fascist. They basically say fascism is so so human in twentieth century. You know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Um, anyway, um, they, yeah, they formed Horus. They're going to save the world at number 10, you know, um, the British White House, basically, where the prime minister works. Um, <laughs> Zenith, I'm, I'm explaining it to you, Fox. I don't know. Zenith I know. Meets, I love you. Meets with uh, PM Peter Sinjin, where as he uh, meditates on that glass pyramid, the superhuman named Chimera turned into at the end of phase two of Zenith. They're worried about this horse group, and Sinjin thinks he might be able to get Chimera to help, but there's no time to discuss it more, um, because suddenly Lux, Spook, and a very youthful Ruby Fox appear at the door to Sinjin's office. Well, remember that Ruby Fox was a, that all three of these guys were these, uh, 60s boomers, uh, uh, superheroes. Yep. And Ruby Fox, uh, got youthed in phase three. <laughs> she got youthed. Yeah. Okay. Boom. Uh, anyway, Sinjin <laughs> offers the um, the Horus folks a drink, but they just want to talk about this new age that they want to start dawning. They have a plan, and they want Sinjin to join them, but he says no and describes their plan as more of a final solution, if yeah, you take weird. my meaning. Mm. Yeah. Mm. They joust a bit more as Zenith flirts with Ruby, and she calls him old. Oh, Rude. no. Boomer on Gen X violence, Fox. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. on, we got to stick together. And- yeah. Oh, but then she notices the chim- the Chimera Pyramid in Sinjin's briefcase. And when she won't tell him what it is, she dissolves it to dust. Oh, no, the MacGuffin. Yeah. Like, <laughs> does it? I I feel like it will matter maybe later. But that, like, why'd you do that? Yeah, jerk move. Especially when she's like waving her hands all like psychically over and she's like, oh, I can feel there's something in here. What is it? 
and your thing is just to destroy it, that makes you the bad guy. They're fine with that. Uh, Spook says they tr- oh, yeah. um, they tried to ward Sinjin, but he hasn't given them a choice. And when Sinjin says that he and Zenith will stop the forces of Horus, Luck s- says, you're welcome to try. Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> Coming this summer, one prime minister faces off against the coolest kid in school. Exactly. Listen, we're gonna we're gonna get revenge against these these <laughs> fucking preps, buddy. Yeah, we're these weird s- fascist preps. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna save this superhero camp on the bad side of the lake. It's gonna oh, be great. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we cut back to Michael Payne's book, seizing the fire. He's definitely de aging now. We see his hair growing back and stuff. Um, his view on this destroyed world has changed as he's youthed from guilty despair to big-headed pride. We then, in the present, see, or, you know, 1992 present, see Lux giving a speech, basically saying that human politics and concerns are obsolete in the age of superheroes. <laughs> so fuck you. <laughs> wow. Well, he doesn't say that last part. That's my editorializing. Oh, no, yeah. Oh, this As is where he brings up, they were like, hey, you know, this uh, this whole Horace Foundation seems kind of fascist with their overtones. And he's like, that's old mind caricature thinking. Exactly. Come on, submit. <laughs> and we see those uh, those two superhumans from phase two, the Lady Shockwave and Blaze, sit on either side of um, a past pain, having a psychic convert, a telepathic conversation be- with each other between Weren't him. They weirdly related to Zenith in a freaking yes. weird way. They were like yes. sisters. One is a clone of Ruby Fox. The other is a clone of Zenith's mom. Oh, God, right. And one yeah. of them. Yeah, okay. Apparently, ha- people psychic- telepathically talking in between you makes it sound like a wasp buzzing in your head. Yeah, that's um, kind of cool. Yeah, they change the channel to an all superhuman episode of Top of the Pops. First up, it's Acid Archie. Yeah, MC Acid Archie. Audioactive, audioactive. Yeah. Oh, oh, awesome. Yeah. No, that's exactly what I thought that song sounded like, actually. <laughs> I basically, yeah, they, they start dancing to his, he starts dancing to his song. Um, and there's some, there's clearly heavy beats, like sort of written as text on the page. And yeah, to me, I imagine it really sounding like the opening of that Beastie Boys song, uh, Intergalactic. Audioactive planetary. Exactly. Then Ruby Fox come on. She's using her powers to do her own light show and apparently singing lamely. Everybody is going to take some shots at Ruby Fox for her singing ability in the course of this comic here. Um, Really? Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Anyway, future pain um, reflects on this and regrets. If there's one thing he still regrets, it's the loss of music in this new world. These days, all he hears is the unending <laughs> scream of Narothotep, which is ominous. <laughs> <laughs> I So this is the one thing, you know me. You know how I'm like, God, I hate text. Anytime there is text in Zenith, I am reading it, and this guy is the best part. No, like, I lo- like I, I, I will say that this is some very fun, like, you know, a lot of these artists have stuff that is like extremely them, I guess. I, I think my example is always uh, John Smith when he either does body horror or just lists of strange things happening around the world or something like that. 
And this kind of narration, making offhanded um, references to very strange and ominous things is very good Morrison stuff, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's got that um, uh, that sort of Cthulian feel to it, right? Oh, it's just I the mean, unending screams of, you know. Yeah, the, I mean, I believe Narlthotep is indeed a, a Lovecraft dude. Or a uh, you know one of them el- one of them old ones, and you mm. know I mean like uh, uh, Zenith so deep in the Loigor, which were also a um, a Lovecraft idea, you know. I well, so, what I love I love the concept where it's just like uh, you know now it's just the the screaming voice of of this thing. I love the con- the the idea that like even the unknowable be- can become passe. <laughs> I just like I, I I just like um it's one of these like adding a layer to things in our set in our, in our of course soundless medium of of comics that yeah. hey, just so you know there's been a constant screaming going on in the background <laughs> FYI you know I don't know if that's that was, that was clear before no because um, he's just so used to it he, he's offhandedly mentioning it absolutely backstage in 1992 Zenith is dissing Ruby and Eddie. And Eddie, his agent, is correctly predicting that uh, Punk will be next in the retro wagon. You Boom. know, soon enough, get that uh, fun, get that freaking limp biscuit up here, pop punk, buddy. Oh God, <laughs> break stuff. Anyway, as uh, Zenith goes out to play, Blaze comes back to the couch with that kid that Zenith impregnated her with in Phase Two. Future Pain says he should have killed that kid, and I guess we'll find out why. Oh, God. Oh, God. (laughs) That same day in Washington, D.C., and they show the Capitol building here, Fox, but it's a dude talking to the president, so it should be the White House. The White House. Yeah, you don't don't have – the president isn't usually there. The VP – yeah. Also, also, the president says he's been in office for three months, which would mean that he's a former president that took over in April, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. Honestly, a better line would be there's an election in four months, if you're asking me yeah. for America shit for July 1992. <laughs> um, anyway, um, another sinister government dude says they got to kill these superheroes. They got to. They did it back in 68, so it should be fine. All they need is the element of surprise, and it's no big deal. And hey, listen, I've got this red manila folder. It's going to tell us exactly what to do. And let me tell you, we got Shadow Men. Yeah. Conrad, we got Shadow Men. They, we, we do. Yeah. That, no, that's what they did it last time, for sure. <laughs> I, love, I love me some shadow people. Shadow government. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the turn the super turn the superheroes gay. Uh, <laughs> president, <laughs> they gave him psychic powers. <laughs> the president says to go with the plan, and this government dude said "yup," and that is apparently <laughs> the word that begins the war, whether they know it or not, or indeed the door to hell that will be opened because of it. Oh, door to hell! Yeah. Hey, that's a. That's a did you know that is door to hell. Who knew that the the sacred incantation was uh, my pleasure, Mr. President, sir? uh, Yep. I feel like, honestly, I I would have guessed that would have been one of them. You know, I don't know. Yeah, that's Um, fair. (laughs) Maybe not the yup, but the rest of it, you know. Anyway, Lux is meeting with another superhuman Domino's who wears blocky glasses and a manic street preacher's shirt. What was Domino's thing again? 
I, he's got some kind of, he's got, he's just a, another one of these, um, because I remember extra, extra I remember dimensional from superheroes the, yeah. from from Phase Three, but I don't know if we really saw what if he had what his specific powers were. I guess okay. I don't know. It, I mean, obviously, it doesn't matter that much. Um, <laughs> Foreshadowing, yeah. Spoilers for a couple of minutes from now. Um, I do like though he kind of says like, yeah, listen, like I have superpowers. I am a super being, but I'm a punk. All right, that's what I am first. I'm not gonna and, wear your weird like. It's like tight get up. Yeah. Like, I don't know. He's got a weird suit jacket thing going on. It's kind of like a well, China, Chinese collar, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it's basically, yeah I'm not going to wear a suit. Like I'm not, jo- I'm not, you know, I'm anti-fa, buddy. And, and you're fa. So we got to, you know, <laughs> neither the twain shall meet, I guess. Nazi punks fuck off, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, they argue. But so he can't get behind what Lux has planned. They they argue about it as a sedan of men and women in black pull up to the curb and they see Lux leave the apartment building. They prepare for their mission. They're all speaking to each other psychically in like thought bubbles. One of them named Cameron is worried about this and one another of them calls him a wimp, which is yeah. funny. Domino is back in his apartment lamenting the sex pistols on on CD and then comes out her psychic attack. Oh, yeah. So I love the way that they're describing it in the car. They're like, go through the limbic system. It's the hardest to defend. Hit the occipital lobe yeah. first. Blind right? him so to it's disorient like, him and then start yeah. shutting him down, basically. I, I love yeah, how they're just planning for it because it's it gets so it's a little bit technical on how it works. And that's what they do. They definitely blind the shit out of Domino. Yeah. And I like it just as like a, um, you know, you're a psych- like a psychic assassin. It's not just like, you know, flipping someone off like a light switch. There, there's actually uh, a, a, a kind of method to it or something. I've got to traverse these neural pathways, bro. Mm, walking on the spider webs. The plan. Yeah. So blind the subject, take out the nervous system. The two shadow men take Domino's vision, but he can hear them well enough to get in one of the assassin lady's head and send her just flying through a window, which is pretty like awesome. Explosively through a window. Yeah. And like she's like jabbering the whole time because he's in there, man. It's great. <laughs> yeah. No, a lot of uh, get out of my head or he or she is in my head kind of superhero mm-hmm. talk here. That's my favorite superhero thing fox there used to be a tumblr um a, a tumblr blog that was just panels from comic book. it was like like every day it'd have a different panel from a comic book of a different character in a different situation saying it out of my head very common trope i like it a lot wow that's um, fucking great <laughs> anyway the other, the surviving shadow man that uh, Cameron guy threatens Domino, but suddenly Lux appears behind him, holding Whoops. the charred rib cages of the other two agents. It's amazing. Yeah. So they're dead now, and <laughs> uh, you are a wimp. <laughs> yeah, Cameron tries to beg off. Lux calls him a wimp, so he could either hear that conversation, or he's since sucked the memories out of all these other shadow men, basically, and then just lifts him up and smushes him with mental power. Yeah, like head into feet. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, cubes him. Domino kneels on the floor, blind and clearly in serious medical trouble, but Lux is a canny operator. And says everything is going to work out beautifully as he reaches out and breaks Domino's neck. It's a goddamn false flag, Fox. Oh, God. <laughs> this Lux guy's a real jerk ass. Next time. That's huh? a three. That's a three. That, that's an ellipsis. And, and then an exclamation mark. Huh? A pause. And then a, and then a, and then a chick. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> I've missed Zenith. 
It's like getting into it's like getting into a hot tub and then someone suddenly turns on the jets. Didn't expect it. Man, is it good. Let me say that I feel like because it's sort of like especially because this one is about characters we know and it betrays Zenith as himself being kind of lame. Like <laughs> this is the kind of music criticism that I like in 2000 AD versus other stuff we've seen where they're just sort of like telling us that Bross sucks. I know Bross sucks. You know, I know yeah. Kylie Minogue is not a serious artist. It's fine, you know. No, but it's like the <laughs> the artist goes out there and says a bunch of like technical whatever. And then just behind the scenes like, yeah, of course I was lying. I want the money. The money yeah. is mine. Exactly. But yeah, this is a fun start to this story. Um, I'm loving the um, like the time travel or the uh, the time differences of just sort of we know that there's this ominous black sun future that we're on the verge of, you know, and and Payne's books are telling us that we're right on the very edge of it. Seeing this sort of, um, you know, these superheroes sort of aligning to have to fight things out and stuff like that. It feels like a good culmination of hey. the Zenith stories that we've told so far, you know, everything's screwed. Buckle in, Buttercup. Very exciting. Definitely. Oh, man. Yeah, we're going to like we're going to continue Zenith actually into the 800s. Actually, it's it's not going to. Oh, we've got a couple man, more. Episodes that's so of great. This. Thank God. Exciting stuff. Less exciting. Nod thrills, covers, and noob cities. I mean, it is a brief respite before the, the sludgeoning. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Tough back half this episode. Uh, 792, <laughs> Steve Yole draws Zenith jamming away in a music video on TMV. He's got maracas. Double, double, like one hand, two maracas. It's a good yeah, look. Yeah, definitely. I love just, I feel like this, this feels very like 1992, I guess. This, these sort of bright oh, colors. Oh, like the print. Yeah, like the way Zenith, like the look of Zenith and stuff like that. I really like. It feels it feels nostalgic in a way that I'm I'm familiar with, which is really yep. fun. I think. In the nerve center, Tharg bemoans older readers that remember the golden years of 2000 AD, and is uh, happy to tell you that wrong. there were some stinkers as well, including yeah. Angel and Colony Earth, which is fair. That um, is true. Return to Armageddon, which you know that's uh, a bubble one. I let I I'd say Return to Armageddon is a two thirds or a great thrill. Yeah. And then and also a Fiends of the Eastern Front. You what, mate? Oh, dude, no. <laughs> No, you're saying clearly, saying clearly of the Eastern Front throw. This sucks. Get out of here. No, buddy. that's I feel a good like one. Bad taste. Bad Jerry taste, Finley, Conrad, Escara. I mean, I, and it, plus, modern Dark doesn't agree. They brought it back. They're telling new uh, fiend stories these days. I, I was actually gonna say, like, why, why even do? Because I, I, I held off on it because, quite honestly, there's tons of other thrills. But I was thinking to myself, it's like, why do Cola Commandos when you could reach back and do something like Fiends of the Eastern Front again? There's World War II. Awesome. There's va va vampire World War II stories to be told, certainly. Fuck, um, doesn't even have to be World War II. A whole Cold War with vampires? Are you fucking mm -hmm. kidding me? Awesome. Let me tell you, they did, they recently, at the end of 2020, did a backstory of like the, the, like they did, they just basically did like Bram Stoker's Dracula for Thieves of the East, like the backstory. Oh. And, ancient or in like medieval Polish or uh you know Transylvania times and it was so good <laughs> there was a dragon anyway um I, I just need to point to the Castlevania television show on Netflix and just be Absolutely. like that why not that mm -hmm. 
Definitely. Thark also then talks up some new thrills starting this month. Zenith, Robo Hunter, and Dragon Tales. Mid-prog, there's uh. an ad. <laughs> yep. There's an ad for the single Salvation from the band Terminal Power Company. And the band has been dr- – and the members of the band have been drawn as buff cyberpunk dudes by Simon Colby, who does much hey, stuff in 2018. Yeah. The input page has pictures of a tough-looking mad dog squawks and a hippie Tharg. Letters name the fish in Button Man. Mention that some of the dead stars in Tales Beyond Science were actually alive at the time that the comic was made. <laughs> Another has uh, just recycled his comic book collection to save the Earth, I guess. Um which oh, what? And then a question has, and then another letter has the uh, which came first, the chicken or the egg question, which Tharg answers with the Neil deGrasse Tyson um, answer, of course, which is that it was an egg with a chicken inside of it laid by something not quite a chicken. And the final letter is from a serviceman who celebrates the coming of Flesh Book 3. Oh, we're Hell so yeah. close. The prog ends with a very greasy pinup of Captain Cholesterol and the low fat Kid, we got Ugh. so many Cola Commando pinoffs. Oh my I'm god! I'm not. Yeah, I'm done. I did it already. We're good. <laughs> nope, nope. Still going because now it's my turn. As Anthony Williams draws Hector Ugh. Doldrum being a real toughie on this cover nope. in the Nerve Center, Tharg is enjoying the summer, but don't lose focus because Bradley and Prog 800 are on the way. Mid Prog, there's a bits column that's got reviewed for a bunch of Game Boy. Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Game Gear, and Mega Drive games. The next, the highest rating goes to F Zero, which is fair. Yeah. Um, but they also have a thing on a uh, Where in Time is Carmen San Diego, which um, which Ooh. I played a lot on the PC. Actually, we, yeah. My uh, like the the den where our computer was in when I was a kid. We had a you know a full set of a world book encyclopedias. And I would play Where in Time is Carmen San Diego and just pull encyclopedias off the wall to uh, to find the answers of where to go oh, in time awesome. and stuff. That's and so awesome. I, by by the end of a game session, I'd have this like giant stack. Of yeah, books but that's kind of that's kind of a cool thing. Yeah, I remember no, there was I a was game fun, that yeah. came with like Windows ninety five standard, which was kind of this uh, like wizard exploration game, kind of like click mm-hmm. through to navigate and you had to answer questions from these wizards. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was tied to this encyclopedia that came with windows 95, mm. 95 yeah, or 98 Carter or something or like that. Yeah. And then when you would click on something that they would say, it's like, Hey, you got to answer this fucking thing. It would open up an encyclopedia page, like in a, in a window you have to mm. read through it to figure out, like, okay, well, what's the answer, right? So it was kind of a Wikipedia of its time sort of game, yeah. which I thought was really fun. Nice. Yeah, I think this might have been on DOS. Jesus Christ. Oh, what uh, a life. I mean, where I what used to play Peter Rabbit, baby. Absolutely. Um, oh, also, there's a mention of a Mission Impossible NES game, which is actually based on the 1988 TV show revival of Mission Impossible. Oh, oh my God. Ooh. The input page has pictures of baby sea warriors and Judge Wayne's Ugh, world. Judge on, dude. Um, letters are happy for the return of Johnny Alpha to cry Thark's current love of dance music, as well as Judgment Day coming up during exams. We're trying to study. Also, um, a letter being sent into the future, making a very nascent version of when I, we talk about our past and future selves doing things in the podcast here. Oh. The prog ends with a full-page ad for Universal Soldier, the movie. No relation to 2018. Yeah, I was going to say. 
You're discharged, Sarge. 794, he's out. Brett, U- Brett Ewins draws Dread kicking Johnny Alpha off the Apocalypse team, though he does draw Johnny Alpha's armor as purple and pink, which is not mm-hmm. canonical, no, so no, it's a little no. interesting. In the nerve center, Tharg's pretty smug about his own awesomeness, which, you know, is his prerogative. Then mid-prog, there's a pretty cool ad for the Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman Deathgate cycle of novels, these D&D novels. And then there's Ooh. a pinup teasing Bradley's bedtime stories, which we'll get you later uh, this episode. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Mm-hmm. The input page is a picture of Rave Trooper and letters request sequels to certain stories. Note a Philip K. Dick reference in a Sam Slade pinup. Complain about this comic crossover stuff. But also several letters like it a bit. Uh, like it quite a bit. Finally, a letter complains about no input page. In Prog 787, and Tharg just says that's how it goes. The prog ends with a pinup of C.T. Hall by Anthony Williams. They're oh, so bad. God. Why? I can't Again, escape. They were just so stoked about this comic. You, 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 you must see it. You know, you got to know that they were just really excited. 795, Bradley is out. Simon Harrison draws mm-hmm. a, a uh, draws the sprog throwing a brick that says, duck you suckers on it in on a on a white background um this one shows up in a lot of cover compilations very similar of course to the cover of feral throwing the strontium dog badge also by simon harrison in Prague 620 duck you suckers naturally is um what the name of the third or fourth movie in that in those clint eastwood man with no name cycle like the good the bad and the ugly fistful of dollars for a few dollars more and then duck you sucker mm. <laughs> it's true <laughs> Um, in the Nerve Center, Tharg starts plugging the 1993 yearbooks, which we'll be talking about in a couple episodes. He also plugs a comic fair in Gloucester and disavows the Universal Soldier movie. Okay. Later, well, the, I mean, yeah. God, God knows you wouldn't want to be tied to something successful. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Those, I, I don't know how like those movies were kind of successful, right? I mean, they had. Uh, I yeah. I mean, they. I had, would rather watch them than read Universal Soldier. Ooh, that's super fair. Yeah, because they had some theater, some theater um, sequels, and then a lot of, of direct-to-video sequels as well. Actually, oh, that sounds actual. Yeah, no, I got to go dumpster diving. Thank you for letting me listen. Know. Some of those later sequels, you know, they they get um, Dolph Lundgren back, like this sort of like older Expendables era Dolph Lundgren, who I'm actually a huge fan of. I I, yeah. I love that guy. He's like just this sixty-year-old who hates everybody and is clearly having a great time being that way. You know, absolutely. Um, got like several postgraduate degrees. Dolph Lundgren, he's cool. Um, a genius smart. and a kung fu expert. Well, absolutely, karate, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, um, later in the prog, there's a big. There's another one of these big price sheet ads uh, for Forbidden Planet mail order services. I was kind of interested to see that the most expensive prog they have is actually Prog 700 at uh, four pounds fifty. Uh, 317's also really expensive, quite, uh, twice as much as similar comics, probably because that's the debut appearance of a D, of DR and Quinch. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, no, good, like these, these milestone ones, you know, 2000 AD is always really funny, I think, be, you know, because like that, uh, Prague 2 is always at least as expensive as Prague 1 because Prague 2 is when Dread shows, is the first appearance of Judge Dread, you know? Mm. Like it's it'd be, it's sort of an interesting like I don't know collector note for that comic I guess because usually 
uh, I found often in comics the first I- while the first issue is very expensive, subsequent issues can be less so. I guess just I like know, that they it, still that they, they have like them the in numbers. the condition where it's like, hey, it's, it comes with a free badge or the free album and sticker and free sticker. I like that too. Yeah, I think so, what is I don't know. Anyway, um, that's added <laughs> value, baby. Yeah, v- very cute input page this time, and proof, I guess, that now 2008D can print color photos on Man, its back cover. I love this. This was my favorite thing. Yeah, there's a little girl in a Halo Jones t-shirt. Apparently, her yeah. middle name is Halo. Um, <gasps> there's a little girl taking a bite out of a prog. There's <laughs> a letter of someone who has a pet scorpion named Satanus, and then another Whoa. baby taken his first steps with the help of this giant stack of progs to like steady himself and stuff oh, is extremely cute. This is tearing at my heart, man. This is, also, this is neat. Yeah, no, definitely. Also, happy 30th birthday to all these babies, folks. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Freak out. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tiny Hello, Avenger. future people. <laughs> That's right. These guys are, are, God, are, are old grown-ups now, you know? <laughs> you got to think about it. <laughs> And then the prog ends with a big ad to buy some Olympic pins from World from Woolworths. Fair enough. Okay. Big. Uh, I mean, Woolworths, like maybe that's in the maybe that's in the states. I thought Woolworths was like kind of a pricey place. I feel like no. I, I remember. I remember Woolworths being like just kind of as like. Uh, a Walmart equivalent, but it also like closed down in like in a, in the states at least in the early nineties or something like uh, maybe that. I don't I'm think thinking any, of some other there's place. Woolworths cause... left in the in the U.S. But I think mm. like I think of it in my brain as being similar to a Kmart, say or okay. So it's kind of an know. all-in-one, right? Like a Sears, exactly. Yeah, like a like a Target or or a Walmart, mm. I guess. I do like me a Target? That's right. Twenty-four hour Target. It's classy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call it. They don't call it Target. Don't pay attention to their branding. It's Target. It's a French uh, convenience store. Whatever. Correct. <laughs> anyway, speaking of lies of history, Fox, let's let's go to <laughs> three or four Tharg's Dragon Tales. God damn it! Uh, fuck! I don't. I don't want to be here, Conrad. <laughs> Dragons, rawr, rawr, rawr. script robot Francis Lynn and Peter Hogan, art robot Jose and Jose Cas or Jose Casanovas and Jose Casanovas Jr., Tim Bolland and Nigel Dobbin, letting robot Annie Parkhouse, Pat Prentice and Mary Green. Listen, Fox, I am not sure why this thrill exists. My I, first, I like my dragons well enough. Me too. Yeah. My first thought is they were part of that um, Earthside 8 comic we talked about at the start of 1992 okay. when they were trying to make sort of a younger aged comic to kind of get people – get kids into reading comics and stuff like that. Sure. Because these have kind of a juvenile feel, I guess. Yeah, they when that barbarians. Pro- yeah, and when that project was canceled, it was tossed in 2000 AD. Um, but honestly, I feel like they're actually still in the process of making Earthside 8 at this point. So that's probably not that. Um, oh, according boy. to Alex F. over on Heroes of 2000 AD, they were actually the brainchild of writer Peter Hogan, who didn't write the first one, but will write the rest. He was clearly very into this, and as sort of a up-and-coming writer, kind of had someone's ear to be like, hey, like I got some dragon stories, let's give these what a if, shot. What if people, but also dragons? Honestly, they, it seems very similar to the uh, to the tales from beyond science from earlier this year, right? Like, let's yeah. just have four 
like um, four vaguely linked anthology stories, I guess. Those ones Which, were linked by the artist, but these ones are linked by the writer, I guess you could I say. I mean, clearly, clearly as someone who loves Slain, it's not as though I'm against Dragon. It's just all of this is like, it's, mm-hmm. I, I just left each one asking why. Like, why mm-hmm. Why is this an anthology? Why am, what, like, yeah. the, the dragon theater fight? Like, <laughs> I, you know, like, I I try to think, like, I, whenever I see something like this, my second thought is also that there's some pop culture thing that they're trying to capitalize yeah. off of. But I, for, I forget, I don't, I don't remember anything particularly dragony in 1992. No. Um, Enter like, the Dragon? I mean, but that wasn't. That's not dragony either, though, Fox. <laughs> Come on, metaphorically only. I'm talking about literal dragons because that's what these no, stories are I mean, about. It, they're basically flynosaurs that aren't pterodactyls, but you know, Listen, <sighs> I love a dragon. I got a friend real into dragons, and I support them in that in that activity. Actually, a couple friends real into dragons. It's good times. Yeah, dragons um, are cool. S- this is not. Mm. We start with the story by Francis Lynn with art by the father-son Casanova's team. Always like those guys. In the kingdom of Pluritania, where a seemingly invisible dragon haunts the countryside and only the castle of the king and queen is safe, feasting as the land outside starves. The rude and blustering king loves the jester's scallywag, but the queen ain't into it. One night, she sneaks down to the den of the palace wizard and gets some cool poison, which she then gives to Scallywag. The jester drinks it and suddenly sees the image of a dragon. It's coming! And the king has the jester executed for this. And the royals spend a few boring weeks together until a beautiful woman with red hair and shiny green jumpsuit bangs on the door. Her name is Serafina. And uh, she offers to entertain the king and does some sweet trapeze work. I guess the trapezes were just up there. Ready to be uh, – don't worry about it too much. <laughs> um, the queen is not impressed and gives Serafina that same deadly drink that she gave the jester. It's just lying around there, I guess. Serafina does – drinks it and then falls from her trapeze, seemingly dead. But then she turns into a dragon and roasts the place. I, You know, I guess – I guess it's just that I knew it was coming. Yeah, I mean – this Serafina lady, I mean, one, we learn that they know the dragon's name is Serafina and no one mentioned, no one mentions the coincidence, but also, <laughs> <laughs> also she got a scale dress, buddy. You got a scale dress. You aren't fooling anybody. I see through your, your dragony ruses. Hey, listen, right? scale, scale onesies offer at least a decent amount of protection. That's got to be like, well, sure. Listen, lizard? I, listen, I want to get. I want to get AC six as much, you know, six AC points as much as anybody, Fox. So I'll wear that scale mail, definitely. Oh, you yeah. Know. <laughs> but I'm just saying it's not a good disguise. Oh, I wonder, um, I mean, in the next D&D campaign that I'm in, I'm going to see if I can make a dragon yeah. onesie. Why not? Absolutely. Well, yeah, absolutely. Head to toe, tight fit, want it taut. No, no, that's that's end game armor is that, you know, you start getting all monster huntery when you are mm, fighting dragons in D&D. Yeah. I believe most I believe there's generally rules for like in, in all the editions I've seen, there's been rules for um, like what kind of armor you can craft from the hide of a dragon and how many you can craft from the size of that of Ogre that butts, monster. The most supplest skin. Yeah. Listen again. Monster Hunter, buddy. Kill these guys, make pants of their bones. The next story, <laughs> Pat Hogan's writing. 
Yeah. Is uh, writing and Tim Bollins doing art. Pat Prentice littering. There's a giant castle and a big green dragon comes swooping in as a lady centurion gives it orders. The dragon lands in a fountain and asks for Lord Benedict the World Slayer as well as other titans. When it's confirmed that the dra- that, that guy lives there, the dragon turns into a dude in green with a tail and he's brought to Lord Ben. Uh, the dragon is called Gerald, and he's here to drag Ben out for some adventures. They're very over everything. A lot of like a, a lot of a uh, Fraser talk here. Honestly, Ben, a harem, blasting everything that moves with a laser. I ask you that kind of yeah. stuff. I mean, um, it, I, you got that it was a video game before you got to the next panel. I mm. I appreciate this because it's only four pages. In the end, after a double dog dare, they turn into dragons and fly off for some adventure. Then a wizard shows up and zaps them both, and it turns out they're actually accounting dragons playing a VR adventure game on company time, and the wizard was their dragon boss. I feel like, I mean, there were a lot of wires poking out the back of that thing, so they had to have, I mean, I guess they just plugged it into company stuff, because no accounting firm is going to have VRware. Oh, by the way, and then doing the invoices, they just keep putting their hands on the sphere that they were already playing on, I guess. Well, yeah, I do my, listen, I play my video games and do my taxes on the same computer, Fox. What are you talking about? (laughs) Tax computer? That's dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it turned out to be a video game. That's Dragon Tales, um, air horns, buddy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Nigel Dobbin and Mary Green take over on art and lettering respectively on a street somewhere i guess in london a dude named jean shouts to a guy to snap his suit glyph these guys got apostrophes in their names i'm only gonna pronounce them a little bit obviously dragons got it (laughs) yep generally disrespectful of the mortals nearby they meet two other folks a pair of twins named flirt and rye and an older guy named lord morin who is apparently an old enemy of glyph they enter um they're sorry they exchange fantasy threats and then glyph <laughs> greets another woman named rin they arrive inside the royal albert hall and once it's cleared of humans um one of them declares that the court of Araboros has been reconvened and every but he turns into a cool dragon. They start eating their own tails, I guess, because that's yep. what Narabro yeah. says. That's right. Yeah, Lister of Smeg. Um, there's, <sighs> they're doing a lot of business. I guess the dragon lord of Britain or Breton is trying to get their horde out of Hong Kong, but that's for another day. Buddy, you, why'd you move it there? Come on. You knew <laughs> the lease was going to end and you're immortal. Come on. You know. <laughs> Poor planning, and other dragons agree with me, for the record, about this. Um, today they're dealing with topics of bloodline and de- and density. A human steps up to the king of the dragons, who's named Furtang, and for a hundred years he's hidden among humankind and claims a mission to the dragon court. He gets it, but apparently it's like they've got houseboat rules for the amount of dragons on the court, so one in, one out, basically. Yeah, so who's gonna who's gonna do the dying, huh? Yep. Anyway, Morin steps up and challenges Glyph to face him on the face him on the field of chance. They'll fight to the death, and whoever's left, and you know, whoever dies, of course, will be the one that's out. So you can't bring too much stuff onto a houseboat, Fox. So if you bring like a new piece of furniture or a thing that's going to be in your houseboat, you got to also take something off that's got roughly the same weight. Hey, man, so you, you got to worry about that ballast. 
<laughs> I love calling that houseboat rules. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> Get barnacles on my roof, buddy. It's terrible. Anyway. Lovely. This dra- it's dragon fighting time, and this one's a two-parter. The continuation. Yay. I realized that in my writing, I call I said dragon fighting time twice, which I think is kind of funny. I'm watching BattleBots. It's a decent show. Uh, <laughs> the winner gets all the losers' stuff, and we learn that Morin ate Glyph's sister, so there's enmity. They begin fighting through a bunch of psychedelic scenarios that go by very quickly through different fates and lifetimes until they finally just like take a breather by teleporting to Morin's lair, which is your classic full of gold dragons lair. The fight then turns physical, but Glyph quickly gets the better of the older dragon and leaves him bleeding out. As the older dragon dies, he explains that he was about to die anyway. He's got that dragon cancer. Drag, sir. Um, And by doing this, he by allowing Glyph to kill him, he's balanced the karmic scale, so he's free to die or something. I don't know. He tells Glyph to remember that every that even dragons can die and his spirit floats away. But he's like a human ghost head? Mm. I guess they were always humans first, based on dragon rules. Like, are they human? You know, it's that Batman, Bruce Wayne kind of thing. Are they humans that turn (laughs) into big lizards? Is that what a dragon is? Or are they lizards? Do they start out lizards that turn into humans? It's hard to tell. Glyph returns. I mean, no, we saw the guy was like, I'm a human. I've been hiding. So now I get to be a dragon. I'd like to be a dragon now. So I guess they were all humans. All, All dragons are actually humans. Dragons are now boring. Thanks, Dragon but, Tales. But may, you know, maybe to use a, diff, a slightly different superhero, it's the Superman thing where you do have to spend the majority of your time in your disguise. You know, <gasps> it's the Highlander rules. Maybe they all have it, to kill each other at some point. It is the presumably this court will someday start to shrink and there'll have to be fewer and fewer in there until there can only be one. That you're, you're right. It's absolutely Highlander rules. And then they come back for a weird sci-fi one that no one talks about and they oh. just make sequels pretending that one didn't exist. Um, <laughs> Glyph returns to the hall with Morin's horde, though most of it's taken by taxes. All's well, though, as Rin runs over and she and Glyph kiss and they head off into the night. There's only two things certain in the world. Death and taxis as they get into a cab and drive off. The end of Dragon Tales. Didn't account for Uber and Lyft completely harming a very important piece of our economy. Yeah, gotta take those black cabs or whatever they have in in, in London. Very classy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the end of Dragon Tales. I'm not going to say there's not <sighs> going to be more dragon content as we go through the years of 2000 AD. I mean, Fox, that's, but this, that's fine. This is the end of the dragon, of Tharg's dragon tales. Listen, listen, okay. I, Slain had a dragon once. Yeah. The dragon was dope. It was called the Necker. He could see with his fucking special... Yeah, uh, he had like, vision. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. He had gems for with eyes. With sapphire eyes. Yeah. yeah. it was cool. Like, dragons can be cool, but I feel significant, like, you know, I feel like dragons are significantly less cool when they can become a human. That's all. Like, Witcher rules is not that interesting. Especially when they spend a lot of time as humans, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah exactly. I, I feel like if I, re- if I was a dragon, I'd be like, oh, bitch, I'm a dragon all the time. Dragon yeah, it up. I, re- 
I really remember there's that one Bellardinelli slain story where that one um, like ancient dragon came up and was just sort of like a mysterious monster killing people and stuff like that. And I remember it just doing a really cool job of making a, of making the dragons seem ancient and dangerous yeah. and like like a monster out of Beowulf or something like that, like that, like that sort of Grendel feel to dragon. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess. I guess Grendel actually ends with a dragon, but you you know what I mean, Fox. Um, <laughs> I do. But that, these that was ones old were, slain. yeah, no, that that was that's that's like yeah, that that's like classic. Actually, that's like the final tale of classic slain, I'd say. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, but I like yeah, I, I like that stuff when dragons are part of the story. This stuff of just like anthology of dragon themed story feels out of place in 2000 AD, especially because of course it's very even if they add some sci fi elements, it's still very much a um a fantasy story in the sci fi comic, you know. Exactly. Anyway. Oh God. That's I... not to say sci fi comics make make a story good, Fox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start. Ooh. Let's get into Thrill Five Robo Hunting. We we could we could by choice, Conrad, not do this. No, no, absolutely oh. not. Okay, we're I'm under the effect of that of 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 of, of that curse. I can't. <laughs> I can't not, not cover I, it. I keep forgetting that you're under that curse and that's part of why we decided to do this podcast together so that yeah, you no, I, I appreciate you you helping me out after I signed that podcast in blood you know it's tough um, uh, you know devil stuff it's fine we've all been there <laughs> It's okay. Anyway, script robot Mark Miller, art robot Jose Casanovas and Jose Casanovas Jr. Letting robot Tom Frame. Oh, God, Tommy, why? Tommy boy, why? Tommy, Tommy, why? <laughs> hey, he just letters what he's told. Fox, I regret to inform you that after several installments of not really <laughs> caring about the past of Robo Hunter, Mark Miller has now read the original Robo Hunter stories and is mining it for content. Oh, <laughs> fucking A. <laughs> In an apartment building at least partially made of human bones, a little kid robot with a creepy human face asks his mom to read him a story, so she tells him the tale of Sam Slade as a robot frog eats a robot, um, oh, I lost my place, a robot frog eats a robot bed bug or something like that. Yeah, I mean, Um, it's got to because it can't eat flesh, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, we see Sam going to the, uh, Arriving at the perfectly peaceful and idyllic society, the planet Virtus and wrecking up shop, just because the robots that um, there had gruesomely murdered the already. human settlers in retribution for the various injustice visited upon robots over the centuries. We've done this. Don't make me do it again. Very much a recap of this sort of late seventies story. Um, Talk about how Sam managed to destroy the big brain with a logical fallacy and then fought alongside traitorous robots before activating a device that killed all the robots on Virtus, including his friends. And don't forget that he had a sidekick that was a baby named Cherub. Captain Kid cheering him on. I mean, he was ba- – yeah. He was he was turned into a baby because space reasons, Yeah, basically? light speed travel, youthdom. yeah. Anyway, uh, the meat police have found Sam Slade. Okay. He's currently so, rotting in a robo-prison. We see him there. Hi, Sam. Yeah, hey. Uh, so I will say meat police is my favorite thing said in the comic, I guess. I like mm-hmm. the idea of the meat police, which I guess is really just, uh, um, what was that, vegetarian 
<laughs> Judge oh, like Dredd. like dead meat, like yeah, a, dead like meat. A Inspector Ram. Yeah, exactly. I called myself. I mean, like, listen, buddy. I think the meat police using Cutie as a spy to capture Sam was a cheap trick. Oh, <laughs> the meat police pull you out of your bed. The meat police put stakes on your head. The meat police, police, police. <laughs> Dream police, buddy. <laughs> Put stakes on your head. Yeah, because they're meat police. I don't know. They don't tell Take you what they are. Take of you, send them to your friends. So some robots, members of the meat police, I assume, are moving through a forest on Virtus outside the city. They're killing a ro- they're after a robot hunter called Doc Magnet, and we see who's presumably the Doc hiding in the trees as the police roll through. Um and then blowing them up from the shadows and being very cool. You know he's cool. He's got a trench coat, buddy. Oh, man. And as I've learned from Cola Commandos, he's probably made of magnets. <laughs> We're in the golden age of trench coats, Fox. We got until now, until 1998 or so, when Columbine ruins it for everybody. Well, um, I mean, Matrix took it back, I guess. No, Matrix <laughs> is the reason for it. Matrix is sort of, yeah. I mean, M- Matrix is part of what ended it as well, for sure. Definitely. I guess maybe 2000. I got my times mixed up. I don't know. I'm a, I'm one man, Fox. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it as we get there. Meanwhile, Sam Slate's coming too. We'll recall we last saw him blind drunk on his stag do getting beaten up and then kidnapped by robots with the help of Cutie, his robo tracker turned sexy human fiance turned tr- uh, betrayer. He's so changed will, to a yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, I, I was going to say, I will say at this stage, I was kind of like bought in. I was like, okay, cool. Maybe this whole cutie thing, whatever, could be kind of interesting. And then we get to like the final page of where you're going. <laughs> and I just <laughs> he, say, I'm checking out. I'm checking mm, out. Yeah, we see he's chained to a pipe and we see what I think is cutie in a meat police uniform kill a duck lizard alien that's the brother of another murdered robo hunter nearby i will say it's a little tough just because we've only really seen this version of cutie drawn by uh simon colby i believe but by a different author that then casanovas and so you know there is sort of the and the art styles are radically different so there are sort of moments of figuring out who's who going on here sorry it wasn't simon colby it was anthony williams of cola commandos fame that was drawn that sam that other sam slate or the previous version. <laughs> Burn. Um, so um, we learn that Sam is basically in a concentration camp full of robo hunters where the meat police make them pay before murdering <laughs> meat them. Meat police! <laughs> Cutie is tempted to kill Sam. Sam, na- Sam now but wants to see him suffer. This will be a mistake, of course. She reveals that we're back on planet Virtus and Sam can't believe it. It seems Ugh. all the robots were rebuilt by these meat police, including, including Cutie, who was then tasked on bringing Sam back for torture and execution. Oh, she's one of those Matahari spies that'll make out with you and do weird stuff so that she, long she gets the information. I mean, she, we already knew that completely that she was going to be bad in the whole time that she came back. Mm-hmm. I feel I'd like just this is uh, I hope <laughs> it's like pop- a triple cross at Maybe. the very least. She pops some knives from her fingers as Sam feels betrayed, and we see the rows of prison buildings being watched over by meat police guards. Suddenly, though, there's an explosion in gunfire. The other meat police get shot, and a quartet of dudes, a dude in a big parka with kind of like a, I guess like a volleyball face, it looks like, 
Um, A a pterodactyl man and a bug dude in leather. Oh, a bug dude in leather in leather attire. You know, he's ready for pride. And a weird, a weird bearman say that Sam Slade's coming with them. Yeah, weird that the one God, all of these people are gonna die. I don't care. Kind of a fetish bug man, I guess. I, I'm into um, fetish bug man. I'm I'll into it too. Much. It's fine. Uh, cutie, sort of a, a Joe Pineapples um, yeah. bug man or whatever. Cutie tries to hold Sam hostage, but gets blasted immediately. So much for that subplot, I guess. Um, Sam. <laughs> talks again about the meat police and I'm going to need some more info about like we're it seems like we're supposed to know who these meat police are and I do not <sighs> the alien robo hunters spring Sam and start fighting their way out through the MPs it's meat police they fight their way to a pretty cool G.I. Joe vehicle the meat wagon that's called and roll off in oh, a hail of gunfire this really feels just so fucking overdone after some mucking about trying to get the vehicle started, they blast their way out the side of a fence and head into the Veritas jungles because that's where Doc Magnet lives with his disciples. And he's the greatest oh. hunter who ever lived. We then meet this team, leader and pterodactyl man, Dr. Dinosaur. Apparently, a lot of Hunter leaders are also doctors, Fox, although I don't think they're medical doctors. The no. Bearman's named Jinky, which is like the cafe by my um, house. Jinky Studio Cafe, Fox. Ooh, mm. you can see celebrities there sometimes. I saw Ed Asner once. Um, the leather bug is named Ducky Leather Pants, and the Parker <laughs> dude is called The Hood. He's apparently covered in bandages, and if any light touches his skin, he'll explode like an atom bomb. So file that away for later, I guess. Okay. Yep, they're all going <laughs> to die. Anyway, there's rumbling through Virtus, and Doc Dinosaur mentions that most of this part of the planet is indeed made from the flesh and bones of Robo Hunters, and we see a lot that's of them. That's like real- a lot. That's like a lot of Robo Hunters, and at least on Earth, it was like there weren't that many. It was like, the, remember, Sam Slade it's- was like one of the last ones. I feel uh, like it's a galaxy full of robo hunters, though, just because, you know, he's dealing with all alien ones here. Yeah, so. but it's primarily human skeletal structure. Yeah. No, listen, I'm going to, one, I'm going to say fair point. Two, I guess my no prize answer is maybe actually a lot of these guys still have human skulls if you kind of, once their fleshy uh, parts uh, decay you or You do the like whole, that. like, Star Trek way of it, right? Well, have you, have you seen those, like, there's some funny pictures that, like, modern paleontologists have when they talk about dinosaurs having, having, um, like, feathers and stuff. And sure. they talk about how, like early pale like our 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 conception of dinosaurs is just taking the skeletons and putting skin right on the outside of it you know and they show pictures of like a pomeranian dog or or you know like 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 a big fat a, a big fluffy cat or something but how archaea uh, how early paleontologists would instead show this and it's this fucking like flesh monster <laughs> flesh <laughs> monster <laughs> Of just real skinny. I, I like, haven't. Just, I just haven't, the bones. It it's really funny because bones it does, don't it really does, tell you about the meat. Exactly, and so they talk about like they sort of, and then they'd show a picture of uh like Tyrannosaurus Rex that's like this big fluffy like like a dodo looking T Rex <laughs> that looks pretty awesome, you know. It's like, that'd be good. S- Do you like this? We don't know. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I'd love a big fluffy dino. 
I'll 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 try to send you some, or, 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 and maybe I'll put it in the show notes or something, or I'll just put it on, oh, on man, like the socials. But I thought I think it's really funny and an interesting idea. I guess that's great. Uh, yeah, ten out of ten. Fluffy. Diamonds. A lot of a lot of asides as we talk about Robo Hunter. Telling detail, Fox. Do not um, want to read this Reddit though. <laughs> um. Oh my God! Where were we? Okay, well, Robo, yeah, Flesh. Okay, the Flesh, the uh, the Meat Police, led by a. Oh, sorry. Just like I guess these might not even be Meat Police. These are just sort of like Flesh Commandos or something, led by a robot named Nutcase, prepared to head out after these Robo Hunters. And you know, Mark Mark Miller has seen Goodfellas because Nut Nutcase here, the yeah. boss, shoots a bot named Spider after misunderstanding a joke. I said, "I'm all right, Spider." All right. Yeah, <laughs> it's just dumb. I I hate it. I hate all of it. I said I'm all right, Spider. Why all even right? have something called the meat wagon that you show in the last thing that just then gets kicked and it's like ah, oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, nothing they matters. Were, yeah, the everything is transitive in the meat wagon. But that case appears in front of him and they try to run him over. And said he kicks the wagon and splits in half, which I do think is kind of cool, actually. It is, God, very- but like, like. I don't care about this guy. He just showed up, shot his own dude, and he's like, man, I'm going to be in front of him, and no yeah. one can stop me. I'm not like, case. We don't like flesh around these parts. Oh, uh, my God. Mean- <laughs> I don't want you here. Did you call me a crazy son of a bitch? Meanwhile, a fleet of meat police helicopters are flying overhead. And apparently, the science police only want them to kill Jinky okay, right now as whatever. part of some deeper plan. Nutcase prepares to kill them all, and the chopper open fires, killing Nutcase right away, and then pursues the hunter in the hunters into the jungles. When suddenly a bunch of shots for tombs go out, and I should say these are for tombs, but like the O. It's two O's in for tube, and the O's are on top of each other, kind of like an eight. Some interesting sound design here. Comic Foley work, I guess you'd say. Mm. But that goes flying out and hits Jinky, killing him. Sam Slade, full of vengeance, cocks his rifle and takes aim at the chopper's fuel tank, exploding the vehicle with a varoomph. like these sound effects. Mm. Slade and Leatherpants then flirt a bit, and then the crew heads into the jungle. Don't worry. I'm sure Doc Magnet will find us before we find him. Next time, who is Doc Magnet? I would have also said opposites attract or something like that. You know, you've got like a magnet <laughs> pun right there. And That's they pretty just, good. They just don't because they're like, oh, I'm sure he'll find us. And I'm like, there's a magnet joke to I'm be sure made. We won't, yeah, we won't have to search the planet pole to pole, Fox. Oh, see, that's great. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying you're missing out on so much. And I missed out on so much. And uh, like even one reprieve that I would say for this comic book, Conrad, mm-hmm. is Future Shocks. Yeah, I guess so. But you know what I've been missing, Fox, for like about oh, a year no. or so? No, what? You know what I've been really feeling a need for in my oh, time? No. What? Thrill Six Bradley. No. No. <laughs> You can't I escape. Forgot. No, I forgot. I forgot. And now you reminded me. That's right. My curse once more. <laughs> Script robot Alan McKenzie, art robot Simon Harrison, lettering Fuck. robot Ellie DeVille. We last saw sci-fi young person, a.k.a. Sprog Bradley in Prague 682. 
in June 1990. Fox, what you may not know, though, is like is that like many Alan McKenzie characters, Bradley has had important character and story developing adventures in specials and annuals. In this case, the, the 1990 God. Winter Special, our episode 232, where Bradley was confined to a youth home. Oh, and that's you mean where never we... to be heard from again. Mm, that's where we start with Bradley sitting in a canatotic state being yelled at by a nurse ratchet type. He feels like he's been in the Institute for Wayward Individuals for years and he's finally breaking out with a skateboard and a leather gimp suit. He sneaks through the facility, dodging searchlights and jumping fences. He's solid snake in his way out there, I'm afraid to say. <laughs> yeah. Soon he is, he's escaped, and with a final flip of the bird, he's off into the night. Soon he arrives at a nice white house, burns it, and barges in Hi, on Mom. his parents who are living there. It's quite a surprise, and they call the cops. Next time, Bradley's Bedtime Stories. Don't want it. Thank you for getting it over. <sighs> oh, Bradley, man. Don't want it. Let's keep moving. Please, let's keep moving. We're in Bradley country. Thrill <gasps> 7, Future Shocks. Oh, thank God. Just one this time. The story's called We Come in Peace, script and art robot Tim Bollard, learning robot Mary Green. A spa- an alien spaceship lands in a small town. The alien comes out holding what's clearly a ray gun. A soldier almost shoots it, but then local kid Billy Smith recognizes it's actually a translator and takes a bullet what? in the arm for, an a- for the alien. That's what he says. It's a translator. Don't shoot, mister. I feel like, yes, shoot the child. It's an idiot. Well, he was already sh- – oh, sorry. It's probably an English kid, actually. Like, don't shoot. It's a translator. Oh, my God. Don't let the child near the spaceship. Uh. Um – Anyway, the alien then suddenly speaking English says, hey, I come in peace, whatever, everything's good. Billy gets a ton of – Billy suddenly world famous, gets a ton of alien merch and stuff. But he wakes up the next day in his alien bed sheets feeling terrible and covered in these same green spots that were on the alien. He walks through his town and everybody's dead lying on the street with those same spots. He stumbles to the alien ship and asks the alien what's going on. And the alien blasts him, turning him to bones, saying, you didn't believe that we come in peace stuff, did you? Oh, children are stupid and we'll end our society. All of us are dead. (laughs) Don't trust aliens. Don't trust children. They're going to get you murdered. Don't let people near a spaceship. Oh, come on. You're going to be looking for that kid when Gamera shows up and needs someone to talk to it. Arrival is a great film that shows you exactly how to deal with aliens. Is that the one with Charlie Sheen? Uh, No. I don't know actor arrival. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, it's okay. In that one, there was a in that one there was a kid, and it turned out to be an alien kid, and he did this thing where he was an alien in human form, but then he like revealed himself to be an alien by his like knees bent like backwards to become. Oh God, that was like you know those you know those legs that like horses or dogs have on their hind legs. Yeah, no, I remember it snapped backwards, and he's like jerks, aliens, and it's like snap, snap, and then runs away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, that I wasn't like this first in- contact. That was that. No, that was been- that was the arrival. Of the movie ah, with okay. Charlie Sheen. Anyway, Fox. Oh, I. You know, listen. This is always something I think is funny. Of course, it was the central joke of Mars Attacks as well. Just oh, Mars Attacks these- is fantastic. Yeah, done to much better effect. Oh there my god! Of- 
The giant you know, boxes alien? that keep screaming, we come in peace as they shoot yeah. everybody in the street. Yeah, a Martian talking into a trans a translator saying, stop, we come in peace as they're like blasting people right at the end of the movie and stuff. Why wouldn't they lie? You know, they don't care. It's not like there haven't been place people from far or from far away coming to a new place and saying they came in peace before, Fox. That's mm. so beautiful. Mm. Anyway. With my trenchant social commentary done for this episode at last, <laughs> I have one question for you, my friend, which oh, is- Oh, thank God. What were your top and bottom thrills for these products 792 to 795? Oh, top, zenith, bottom, everything else. <laughs> I need you to- I, I would like I you know, to, okay, pick, to, to pick a zero one, to buddy. To zero in. Okay. Uh, bottom is Robo Hunter uh, because I'm not- I will not give it to Bradley. I will not get a bit the satisfaction when <laughs> Robo Hunter's around. Um, yeah. And I won't give it to Dragon Tales because it's not. Okay, so I shit on Dragon Tales, but Dragon Tales isn't offensive. It's just annoying, right? Mm. Like I read it and I was like, okay, that's fine. It's done with. A lot of the ways that I feel like when they just put future shocks everywhere, right? It's like annoying. Get out of my way. Mm -hmm. Robo Hunter, like I can already see where this is going and where it's going is fever dream territory. It's just like mm -hmm. ah, stuff is happening and there's these people and oh my God, like cutie's probably not dead or maybe she is. Who knows? Who cares? Not dramatic. Hey, here's mm -hmm. this guy that you should care about. Oh, he killed the bear. Who cares about Shaky's pizza bear? Who cares about Pterodactylman? Who cares about any of this? Why are we back on Virtus? The like here the only cool thing that I can personally think of is bone apartments, bone flesh mm -hmm. place. That's a pretty cool idea. Would love to see that instead of like the rest of this. It's like, hey, what happened on Virtus? And it having nothing to do with things and you know, just robots harvesting people to make apartments. Funny. Very interesting. Sam Slade. Don't care about his continuing anything. <laughs> anyway, Zenith. Damn. Always like, okay, so we got the prequel kind of bit last time, mm -hmm. right? Like the little, yeah, the little prologue, glimpse. Yeah. yeah, this, like out the gate is just like, of course, there's a little bit of banter. And then like immediately in 795, it's just like, just in case you forgot, uh, I like super people can take your head and put it into your ankles and smash everything in between into a, a little cube. Yeah, him uh, like uh, luck showing up just with a pair of smoking rib cages is really cool. I think I, it really it also actually really reminds me of uh, of, of 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 Miracle Man, the um, the Alan Moore um, superhero mm -hmm. thing where there's this one guy who famously got like thrown from space back to earth and burned up on re-entry until he was just a pelvis you know that it, 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 that's is, is a, a similar kind of imagery i guess yeah and 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 i love the reintroduction of zenith the 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 pivotal character by which this whole comic book is named yet single-handedly both the most important sometimes, but the least important most of the time, right? Mm -hmm. Character. Still being yeah. a huge prick asshole. It's like you you just pick up where things left off in a way. Mm -hmm. um, and it feels seamless. 
I love the new color stuff. I like, you know, you know me, I'm a fool for black and white for when it matters. I think they do a great job with color. I think they do a great job with line work. I obviously the the writing is what really elevates everything in my mind. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's a rare thing to hear from me, right? Like I'm the guy who's like more more art, less text. I mean, this shit, it's funny. It's on point. It's aware of itself. It's aware of its posterity uh, and it's and it's past like it it knows this comic knows where the fuck it's going. Let me just put it mm-hmm. that way. And the intended destination is the constant screaming of an elder being. <laughs> right. <laughs> sure. And a big, ba- big ass black son. I loved it. I want more of it. I am. I, you know, it's it's getting me through this, Conrad. And so I have to ask you, hey, man, why do you agree with me? Well, I want to I'll mention, first of all, of course, that, you know, we're doing Judge Dredd in the judgment zone right yeah, now. Yeah. So it's sort of that would be a clear top otherwise. Not super in the running just because we sort of did it separately and stuff. But man, this part, this sort of finale part of Judgment Day when they're in these battle suits and they're just zapping zombies and judges are falling and all these judges we've met in Dredd's previous adventures are falling all around him and they're him and Johnny Alpha are being battle bros that that's all real awesome stuff I, yeah, I can't I, just, I can't stress it enough it's the best part of the comic that I can't talk about it's just because we're in a sep you know we aren't reading it with the rest of this stuff you know um but so of what's left I mean I I, I got I got to agree with both of what you're saying I, I I'm saying I have a solidarity this time Zen is real fun um I'm really enjoying it as well um something I'd like you to start thinking about Fox I definitely don't want an answer now but I, I okay. um, um, start thinking about which what your favorite Zenith phase is right? Ooh, you know, phase, yeah. phase one with fighting Maxi Man and sort of powering up for that. Phase two, which is all about like learning about Zenith's backstory and like yeah, that, like um, let's that, stop uh, a evil, missile and I'll yeah. just talk to a guy who that just dies. Yes, yeah. with 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 evil Richard Branson and stuff. But yeah. then also just a lot of emotional beats and things like that. Um, phase three, that sort of war in heaven, like Crisis on Infinite Zeniths, with these classic. <sighs> parodies of classic British comics characters laser eyes our laser eyes joke came there and Mm -hmm. it's hard to beat that especially with how stupid everything was and I that's still I I I know you don't need my answer that is honestly my top for now I, I just want you to yeah start start thinking about it definitely and and, and you know and now um this one with, with very much there's this very apocalyptic like insanity kind of one you know I think there's is, there's things to be said so for all good. but I think it's worth thinking about also yeah, also we got to kill this child we got to yeah. kill this child love when we got to kill a baby fox um but yeah so I think I think Zenith's definitely you know Zenith and Dread are definitely head and shoulders. In this month, that sort of a, a headliner concept I talked about for 1992. Um, As you and I once said, Yeoman's work. Mm, Steve Yo- uh, Yeoman's work. Oh, because that's the artist for Zenith. You see what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, bottom, I'll happily say Robo Hunter. I don't really like this story. Um, I, you know, I mean, 
I feel like you soured on Robo Hunter a little bit more than I did. Um, while I was sort of got a little annoyed at all the singing and stuff like that, and was and was sort of tired of it, I really look back on those original Robo Hunter Verdis stories as oh, very, Verdis. very fondly, and a very Verdis was like, like the last great in my mind, and now yeah, we're I just mean, culling it back or bringing it back up only to cull it like a fucking. I don't know. Yeah. It just it feels like vomit to me because that it was just, that was great. Yeah, it just feels like sort of like we're punching above our weight here, making references to things that, you know, make me recall these classic stories in a way that's not kind to modern stories, I guess. Or I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's just a bit. It's a big comparison. That's hard to come back from. Also, like, I don't know. <sighs> I wish I liked the art a little more. Honestly, the Casanovas's are really yeah. great. I, I love I love Casanovas's art, uh, but I feel like I don't know, like the subject matter is bringing this down a little bit or something. Like well, there, there's some attempts to be actively off putting. I think with both the robot mm-hmm. and alien designs here that I think are kind of like that end up. Instead of being off-putting, but then interesting, just kind of stay off-putting. <laughs> well, me, I think I it. I think it's just so busy compared to some of the Casanovas that I love. Right, Casanovas knows how to do zany, funny. Right, like yeah. I mean, I, again, I would the, say the pinstri- I would say. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I uh, no. It's it's just all I'm saying is that we've seen it. We've seen it out of Judge Shred. Right. Yeah. Um. Where where you can do something funny like a man swinging around on an umbrella, right? And and yeah. being completely hilarious. This it's just there's so much visually going on. Like in the same quarter panel, there is a pterodactyl man firing a laser, screaming, and pulling out the eye of like a meaty one hundred two robot. Like I'm looking mm-hmm. at one right now. And like just a bunch of text going on around it. And all I'm thinking is like, there's no room for the like comedy to breathe. It's just like action and comedy all in one shot. Like keep going, keep going, keep going. And it's just like, it's just a blur. I mean, I'll I'll say that Casanovas is a very busy artist. Even like all of his stuff has Mm. a lot of detail, a lot of stuff going on in the background and stuff. I almost feel like he's like he's hurt by color almost because I love Ah. his black and white stuff. And some of his color stuff, I feel like the busyness becomes kind of muddy or something like that. I don't know. It's it's harder that's, to see when it's interesting. not these, not I, these sharp black and white lines, I guess. I don't know. I would love to go back and read through Robo Hunter and validate that opinion. Because now, right now, I'm just thinking, yeah, that's probably true. But I'm not going to do that, Conrad. Yeah. I'll be well, forced Ian to do Gibson, it next time and think about it. And I'll say Ian Gibson did um, did those early Robo Hunters as well. It's a different artist, but um, yeah. yeah, but it's still I don't know. Like I feel like um, honestly, this is something I'd say about Ron Smith as well. These artists that have uh, that I feel like I've loved for their incredibly intricate and detailed backgrounds and extra work and stuff, but then it almost feels like there's sort of a struggle to then make, bring that to color, I guess. And in a way that looks good on the page and doesn't have sort of some secondary elements, I guess. And then, I mean, listen, I I just want, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, no, please go ahead. Oh, cause I, I I, I was going to move on actually. And just quickly talk about like dragon tails were, I guess, inoffensive, (laughs) like whatever. They seemed out of place, but I didn't think they were 
all they, they didn't hurt me i guess in terms of whatever uh cola commandos i'm just trying to memory hole i don't want to give yeah, uh, you I know, know. I, it's been a whipping boy for a while now robo hunters here and i don't want to give cola commandos the respect of a bottom frankly cola commandos <laughs> is gone now it's gone and that's the greatest gift it could have given anybody um i am like i feel like the like these Bradley stories are interesting ones. I think we're, we're, we're going to be doing a lot of um, like different alternate versions of like fairy tales, basically. Okay. Um, and I feel like Simon Harrison does some interesting work on it in the art. And I just, and you know, I don't know. I'm I'm fine with making a, fun of fairy tales. You're I guess. saying I should give it a shot. You know, as always, I would say <sighs> I would. You know, my state of stance is always I would like this to be good, and I'm willing. You know, I'll I'll give Bradley the a chance to do it. You know, all right, it's fine. All right, listen, Internet, I'm giving Brad. Listen to you, Bradley. Yeah. I'm gonna give Bradley a chance. Uh, I swear to God, if we go off the rails into nonsense land again. You're on notice, Bradley. That's okay. And uh, and luckily, I don't think it'll be around that much longer because, as you can probably guess from our prog numbers, we are nearing prog 800 and with it a at least partial refresh of, of the lineup as well. All right. So anyway. Thank <laughs> God. I hope Rabbit. you enjoyed this show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Titch, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter at spacespinner2k for everything else, spacespinner2000. And we should be there. If you'd like to leave us a rating or review wherever you're listening to us or subscribe to us as well, certainly would appreciate it. This show is brought to you by Steve Green, Robert Hardinghand, Zam Kit Miller, and your friends, the 2080 Forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Cradaline. That's our podcast network. There you can support the show, receive a ton of excellent rewards, including advanced episodes, coverage of modern 2080 in the magazine, even monthly Q&As with Fox and myself. And then come back next time as we're getting ready for the big Prog 800. But that means we got to mm. clear the decks. We're re- we'll reach the end of both Swap Judgment Day and poop. Bradley. We'll sample a ton of future shocks. We'll meet old friends and enemies in Robo Hunter. And the war will begin in Zenith. Ooh. Ooh. I'm, I'm excited about Zenith. Now, and until then, I'm Conrad East Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Slow to dig the three.